fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try The fantasy fullback dive is thrilled to welcome Pete Davidson back, founder of Rotobond.com, fantasy football writer and broadcaster over at WEI Boston Sports Radio for part two of our coaching carousel series. Last time we dove into the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Dolphins. Also, Pete gave kind of his, we picked his brain a little bit on his process, what he does when he watches film what type of tools he uses, experts he recommends, all that great stuff. So be sure if you missed part one, check that out because those offenses were a thrill to break down. He gave us some great insight into his process that everybody can learn from. And now we're just going to kind of dive right back into these offenses, try to bang out as many. If we need to do a three-parter because this one starts to go long, <laughs> who knows? Because I, I know mean, you can go back and forth on well, these offenses all day. Yeah. If we need a part three, you're coming on my show. That's the <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yes, but again, don't miss part one. Tons of great talk on the the Teddy Bridgewater and how all those weapons are going to meld under Joe Brady. The Pat Shermer scheme in Denver, what it means for Gordon, Drew Locke, and all those weapons, and then Chan Gailey. What's he going to bring to the Dolphins? Why they could have a much better offense, especially with the, the additions they have on the line. Everything. Tons of great talk. Lots of philo- philosophical talk. So you got to make sure you break into those offenses because there could be some great values to come through all of those ones to be honest I think all three of those offenses could be in for a big turnaround because of these coaching changes you and I were talking quarterback value um you know because you were um you were loving Bridgewater as a late pick oh, yeah. you know I quarterback is just insane there's so many quarterbacks I love who are, are available deep I mean I'm with you on Bridgewater, but I mean, you know, Minshew is interesting, and um, we talked about Locke. He's interesting, and I think um, Cousins. Might Tannehill, be a bit of a, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I want Kirk Cousins, but I think Cousins is probably. I think he's got a little bit more upside um, with Kubiak running the whole thing. Just yeah, yeah. And we, I think Kubiak might be able to like lean on Zimmer in ways. That other OCs can't. Like Kubiak yeah. is a legitimate head coach, and you know the only reason Kubiak's not running a team's from health stuff, right? Exactly. Uh, so I think Zimmer's more likely to give Kubiak a little bit of rain. Why, so why maybe, don't we start there with the Vikings? Yeah, let's go. We, okay, we, we, we could. A perfect um, transition, right? The new OCs. So Kubiak. <laughs> what, what's he bringing? Mention, though, all yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep Cam, going. Sam <laughs> Newton's sitting down there at, at, as a late QB now, and wow. I mean, I, upside. I, the Cam Newton thing is just fascinating i can't i'm I, did, I didn't have time between shows but i i'm really going to go back and do a a little bit of a deep dive on the patriots the way they played when they were using Brissett a couple of years yeah. ago because i know they were designing runs for him i i can't see the patriots bringing newton in and then not using the full camp skill set like that's just anti-belichick I, I, they're going to use uh, they're not going to be like oh we need to save him we need to keep him healthy they're going to be like no we're taking his skill set and applying it to winning games that's what the patriots do um 100%. they don't they don't mess around um and you know the beautiful thing is how many times we see belichick uh, belichick you know brady's you know patriots up three scores and brady's dropping back and throwing deep in the fourth quarter <laughs> exactly Maybe we'll see Cam Newton running when they're up two scores in the fourth quarter. You know what I mean? So I, yep. I'm, I'm 
I'm very interested in Cam Newton to uh, the Patriots. Very I'm all about it too. And the the nature of the deal also plays into that. A one year kind of prove it. He wants to show off his full skill set. He's not going to be hesitant to go out and run. And and Hannibal came on. Ryan Hannibal of WEI, where you also yeah. broadcast him. He he was you know the one year contract deal. They're going to have no hesitation. There's probably a very good chance he's not back next year. Although they could franchise him, I guess. But even so, that- he. he yeah, That's I think it was nice. ultimately revealed that they, they could franchise tag him, but still, he's like, the team is viewing it as a one-year deal. It's kind of almost in that running back mold of, like, Todd Gurley, where let's run you the know, wheels off, you know? Like, let's, let's let this guy do his thing. <laughs> if you're Cam Newton, I would, I would have to think that the Patriots franchising you is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, sure, sure, you want the extension, obviously, always, but if Bill Belichick's saying... I mean, it's sort of like, you know, if you're Cam Newton, it's, you know, you can basically give the bird to the rest of the league because none of you even wanted to talk to me last year. Yeah. Now this guy's going to franchise me and he's the smartest coach ever. So, I, mean, I don't know. I think most teams he would probably be pissed about it. But if it means – my gut is that Newton's going to like playing for the Patriots. Yeah. You know, there's a weird kind of – the vibe I get from a lot of people on Cam Newton is they don't think he's smart. Like they think he's just a running quarterback. But, you know, Cam Newton is really good processing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, Cam Newton's problem is not throwing to the wrong player or not looking off the safety. His problem is accuracy. Mm-hmm. Like, Cam Newton's problems as a quarterback are a physical problem. It's just simply accuracy. And it, I, I, we can get into a whole rabbit hole on where Cam Newton's accuracy issues come from and how they developed and how they didn't get fixed. The really sad thing is when he got hurt, he was in the process of changing things a little bit. He was getting his weight out. I was getting yeah. his weight on his front foot, and I think it was going to help his touch in the short game. And then, and then that that just random uh, foot injury, which was too bad. Um, but as usual, the random thing that that kills Cam and bums us all out. Who profits from it? Belichick. Of course he does. The, the, the <laughs> best know, franchise out there. <laughs> son of a bitch, man. I, yeah. But, but the, the the part of me that likes Cam is really happy for him. Yeah. Um, man, you know, if 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 Newton actually gives them sixteen healthy games. They're going to crush the whole division. They're going to crush the whole damn division. Exactly. I mean, and from a fancy perspective, when you've gotten 16 games of Newton, he's never fallen outside the top five quarterbacks. So, I mean, if you're banking, and why not at quarter? What's he going? You were looking at the QBs, right? Quarterback 16, 17 range right now. Like, yeah, I mean, fantasy pros has him way down at the bottom, but I'm sure that data that's got to be updated. Yeah, right. I, I would imagine that if we looked at data. Like all drafts that take place, say from today till next week, I would imagine Newton's going to be up in the mid-teens by then. I would yeah, think. and even still, like the upside, but to all these and guys the, that we're talking about, I would imagine about. he would keep rising. Right. I, I think all we need, I, I think there's still some slight undercurrent of, and I think it's just the people who have already bought into Stidham trying to just, yeah, you know, not cry. <laughs> yeah, no, still the guy, yeah, dude. No, Cam Newton. If Cam Newton's healthy, there is no way that Stidham right. is going to be the guy. That's the only thing is, you know, is you know, is the foot an issue? But you know, Newton didn't really play last year. Right. This is going to be like the freshest Cam Newton's been in a long time. I mean, it, it's weird. It, it's it's it, he's um, he's a wild card. Yeah. If there's a lingering issue with the foot, that's obviously really bad. But if there isn't. This could be like the freshest, most spry Cam Newton we've seen in a long time, and he's pissed off. Yeah. 
<laughs> and all, all great <laughs> factors adding up to just a potential explosion. I, I'm all about it, yeah, especially as a Patriots fan, a fantasy fan on all levels. I hope everything comes true there. And if it doesn't, it, it costs you a, a ninth, tenth round pick at worst. Like, there's certainly worse ways to spend those types of picks. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of the Patriots, you know. They're just so willing to push the envelope for value. Yeah, you know, I think most people would have panicked and paid Newton more a couple months back. The Patriots are like, nah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, they're just exactly. they're so confident, and when you can be that confident, well, nah, we'll win with Stidham if we have to. Like that's yeah. the way they think, and it's you know, occasionally you might overconfidence yourself into a bad situation or a bad scenario, but by and large, it's just when you constantly wait the situation out, you're always getting these deals, and yeah. they do it all the time. Exactly. Hate them. <laughs> Easy to hate him if you're not one of us, but uh, I, yes. <laughs> I, I say it on the air all the time. I have a love-hate relationship with the Patriots. Like the, My heart absolutely despises them, but my brain loves the Patriots because they make sense. And I'm exactly. a Jet fan, so nothing makes sense. You just look at it and you go, <laughs> what the heck is going on? This doesn't even make sense. Like, uh, you know, forget whether I like this guy or I don't. It's bad on process or why yeah. you're trading up. Everything's wrong. And then you turn over to the Patriots and it's like, yeah, trading back, it's taking the guy they got. You know, they just crush everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, a great cam tangent. Absolutely. It's almost, and it kind of fits into that. this. This No, no, because it almost fits into like it's – I'm gonna, no, even though right. McDaniel's is still there, it's still like a new offense in a way to, to break down. Oh, right. It's <laughs> it's like it's a forced coordinator change, but it's the same coordinator. Exactly. They're gonna they're gonna change the offense. They have to. They'd be nuts not to. Exactly. Uh, I, I to me, what could be more fun than the Patriots keeping that defense together and then transitioning the offense to something completely different? Yeah. And it's gonna be a Belichick team. I mean, we've we've seen the Brady paradigm for basically two whole decades. Yeah. Now they're just going to flip the script and play different. I, To me, like just from a watch the film and, and, and see what they're doing standpoint, I, it's just, I can't wait to watch Patriot football. I, I really can't. You think they, they remain the kings of the AFC East with Cam now there? If Cam Newton plays 16 games and the Patriots don't win the AFC East, I will eat my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll hold you to that because maybe Josh oh, Allen the, <laughs> maybe Josh Allen can feed it to you but I hope not I'm, I'm with you I hope the Patriots remain on top <laughs> but, but let's be I mean the Jets no way no yeah. way Miami, Dolphins at I, least a year away at I least. like the direction for the Dolphins but they're not ready yeah. um, and you know I respect the Bills but if the Patriots have again we're talking about a healthy 16 game Cam Newton on that team with that defense yeah, with that defense uh, right Sorry. <laughs> I'm all about it. Like, I'm all the about, thing about it. Newton is, like if the Patriots get into close games, I mean Cam's got that he's got the total game. Yeah. So, you no, know, the Patriots are going to be in a position. It's not like they have to you know, with Brissett, they were babying Brissett a little bit cuz he didn't know everything. Cam Cam will come in and have a you know, for a first year guy in that system, I would I would be surprised if he doesn't have a pretty good handle on things cuz Cam Newton is is I think underrated in terms of being a grinder. If you've ever heard him actually talk X's and O's, he's pretty damn good. Yeah. He really is. So I love it. I absolutely love it. It's music to my ears as a Patriots fan and, and as a fantasy fan, seeing how far he's fallen. So 100% yeah, I mean, in. <laughs> Camp Newton, like, think of how, I mean, the only thing that's going to drive you crazy, I mean, the foot obviously is going to bum him out, and this COVID thing hanging over the season is going to bum him out. But if, 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 if there was no injury and there was no COVID, I mean, if you're Cam Newton, you're about to get coaching on a level that you've never gotten it before. 
Right. And not since college, you know. So uh, I, I, I'm just really excited to see Cam Newton applied correctly, exactly as he should for winning yeah. football. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, even though <laughs> my, my little jet heart's going to get trampled. <laughs> there's my, a lot of talk, too. It's going to get run all over, just as usual, exactly. And then, then there's all the argument, too. Oh, he has no weapons in New England. But it's like he was the MVP with Ted Ginn as his wide receiver one, almost That's won a Super thing. Bowl with that core. And now you give him Edelman, probably the best slot receiver still in the game. Maybe Nikhil Harry does take that step. Sanu, now that he's back and healthy. That's not the worst weapons cabinet by any means in the league. Yeah. Well, this, okay. You know, what? while we're on the Patriots, let's just do this. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, like, a guy like Sanu has to love Newton. He has to love mm-hmm. Newton because Newton, if they're using Newton full skill set, he's going to draw a spy, and that's where guys like Sanu become extra valuable. He's going to be involved in some gadget plays. He's going to get he's going to get eat better coverage than he got last year. I, I think they'll get more um, value. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Sunu's going to be some stud or anything, but I think he'll be an effective player for them more so than he was last year. And he did get hurt last year. It just yeah. in fairness to him. Um, but, but then a guy like Harry, I mean, Hey, Cam Newton got pretty good production out of freaking Calvin Benjamin. Um, so 145 targets as a rookie. <laughs> there's, there's no reason they can't find a way to use Harry um, Edelman's development. Well, at development, but you, you, the way they use him is going to be interesting now. Yeah. Because obviously the paradigm with Brady is completely different than with Newton. Yeah. We could see, we could see more deep Edelman. Um, we could see lo- Edelman tended to run fairly, um, you know, quick routes. But yeah. with Newton, you know, they can they can buy time with Cam's legs. They can do rolls and all kinds of different stuff. So you may see more second level routes from Edelman uh, than yeah. we've seen the last couple of years. You know, his his um, yards per catch may go up. Um, his total target number probably going to fall. Yeah. Um, but uh, in some ways for the Patriots, not having Edelman getting just regularly peppered with targets, and he's, what, 34 now? Yeah, he's getting up it, there. It, it might be good for Edelman to be a little bit more of a a, a weapon versus a you know a guy who's constantly— An engine. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, no, I mean, exactly, because like, he's getting hit a lot. Yeah. It might be better for him to get hit not— quite so much and the other thing is his route tree was pretty predictable so he would get cleaned out by the safeties after the catch a lot um this could be i mean i don't think edelman's going to be as worth as much for fantasy but um for the patriots this could be good for edelman absolutely i I, I could be wrong but you know um and i think the the one thing with newton is i i don't think they're going to do as much with the with the running backs in the past game i think it hurts i think it hurts burkhead a little bit not a ton but a little bit Sure, absolutely. Uh, but gosh, I mean, with Newton, I, I, I just I love the idea of you know Cam Newton, the calling running plays for him, getting the Patriots. I mean, for Patriot fans, the deep ball hasn't been a huge factor the last what two seasons. Yeah, you know Newton, you can start dialing up all kinds of stuff because you can get the time for it. Um, yeah. And then the other interesting thing is you're bringing Newton in the first year after Skarnecchia. Um. So you're, the offensive line play is really going to be shifting around for them. You're going to have a new guy in uh, coaching it up, and the offense could be different in terms of your, your blocking schemes, and you've got a mobile quarterback. So 
I just, you know, it's been so long since we saw real change in New England. Yeah, exactly. And we're we're going to see with a great athlete, a quarterback, and Belichick still there. So it's exciting. A hundred percent. As a Patriots fan, you know, it, it was it hurt to see Brady go, but there is just a new buzz, a new excitement, especially when you bring in a guy like Newton. So I, I'm all about it. I, I think yeah. all those points are, are very fair, very valid. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we get a 2020 because I'd be I'd be thrilled. Yeah. How do you feel about the defense? Like, do you think the defense is going to be similar to last year? I think so. Yeah. I mean, they they lost a couple pieces. Obviously, you know, a lot of his ex disciples are plucking. You know, Van Noy, a few of the the key anchors there. But they injected a lot of intriguing, versatile young talent in the draft and a little free agents here and there. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how this all comes together. It might be a little less just like it's certainly not as proven, but. With the athletes they have added, especially Duggar, like what that could end up being, obviously D2, who knows how that will translate. But man, that guy could end up being a hawk with his athleticism. So I don't know. I think it's it's going to be a very intriguing, athletic, like fly all over the place defense. That's get to, they'll get to the quarterback. I, I like it. I think there's it's very little reason to expect a huge drop off despite them losing a handful of players. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I just, yeah, I just don't see how, you know, Again, with a healthy Newton, 16 weeks. I don't see how they're not the uh, kings of the division again. I hope so. Uh, I mean, it's just so funny because, like, in New York, like, they've been writing papers ever since Brady left. Like, it's finally time. And it's like, dude. Not yet. (laughs) But, like, we still have Gase. They still have Belichick. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Moving on to a a guy you kind of hinted at earlier, Gary Kubiak. No, no apologies. I'll dig into football all day with you if I could. You know, (laughs) it's fantastic stuff. Uh, But we talked about Gary Kubiak and how he's now taking over with the Vikings. We're going to kind of break down him and then move right into the Browns because they are very, very linked, or at least you'd think they would be. But we'll start with the Vikings just because that one might be a little quicker. It, It seemed like, you know, Kubiak, he was an offensive advisor last year Kevin Stefanski was the play caller but ultimately it it was a a living breathing Gary Kubiak offense if I've ever seen one so I imagine we'll see a very similar system this year which means good news for Dalvin Cook good news for you know their their number one receiver most likely Adam Thielen this year how do you do you think we should expect a different offense at all or is it going to be just more of the same over in Minnesota yeah I I think it's the same offense um, maybe just a little bit better because I think who's better than Gary Kubiak at, 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 at dialing up that scheme, you know? Right. Um, and then I think you and I talked before we started recording. I think that was before we started recording, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think Kubiak is going to have the ability when he wants to throw to throw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there were probably times with Stefanski where Zimmer's like, hey, you know, let's let's stay calm here. Let's not open ourselves up. I, you know, I think if Kubiak says I want to I want to dial something up, Zimmer's not going to stop him. So right. it, it's it's possible that I'm overestimating um, the degree to which Stefanski was kept under wraps. That's possible. But to whatever extent he was, I don't think that'll be the case with Kubiak. So I think there's the potential for more offensive um, pass volume. Um, and, you know, and I think the important thing about that is that Kubiak knows when to take shots. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really affected. Um, you know, he knows how to play the pass game off the run game and, and vice versa. And uh, um, I'm not sure if we talked about this yesterday, but, you know, with that scheme, the whole thing is it's it's always everything looks the same. 
You want yeah. it to look like run every freaking time, and you always want to sort of catch them off guard with the pass. That's what makes that scheme work so well. Um, you know, you're running stretch inside, stretch outside. Um, you get teams on their heels, and then you're hitting them with stuff. Um, yeah. And, and it works because they dial up the run, and they coach it so well. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of confidence in the Vikings offense that the, the, the bugaboo is going to be, you know, pass volume. Uh, but I think Kubiak is a, is a really good fit um, for Cousins. I like the fit, and um, I you know I think um, there's really I you know I, I was reading that you know people were worried about Thielen staying healthy this year, but you know I appreciate that sometimes hamstrings there's a higher risk of recurrence, and you know maybe there's a couple percentage points uh, on that risk factor. But you know Thielen was getting healthy towards the end of the year. Right. You know, he he looked half decent the last time we saw him. So um, it's not like he did the hammy and we haven't seen him since. I mean, he was coming back at the end of 19. So I, I, I feel pretty good about Thielen. Um, and Thielen is so well suited for this offense, uh, for, for what Kubiak wants to do. Uh, and I love the rookie. I, I mean, I love the rookie. He's yeah. <laughs> Reynolds. Justin is, Jefferson, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Jefferson is just, you know... And, and I wouldn't worry too much, by the way. I think some people are starting to like worry about Thielen because they're thinking Jefferson's going to get too much slot. Um, you know, I, I think Jefferson will get plenty of slot, but so will Thielen. Um, yeah. And I think the one thing people tend to sort of, you know, they think, okay, if he gets 40% and my guy only gets 35% of the slot, you know, uh, now I'm dead. Nah, because what, what tends to happen is they get targets when they're in the slot. So, you know, it's... When Thielen's in the slot, he'll get peppered. He'll get his. Uh, and the other yeah. thing about Thielen is Thielen wins outside consistently. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I just wouldn't worry too much about the slot share. Um, I think when it's money time, Thielen will be in there um, because, the you know, COVID, rookie, you know, Jefferson's going to be a little bit behind the curve on the offense and stuff like that. But, man, he is so good. He is so good. Absolutely. I mean, a few right. few points to. Is. Oh yeah, I, I love Thielen. I, I was gonna kind of lean I'm into. Sorry, and by the way, oh, Jefferson, just Jefferson. Has, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jefferson played a lot of slot at LSU, but if you watch his when he does run outside, he's great. Yeah. So I, I don't see any reason he can't play plenty of outside as well. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I think long term Jefferson's going to be a monster. I really believe that. I, I totally agree. I think he fell far too much in the draft. I wouldn't if I was the Eagles. There's no way. I, and Rager could be an interesting prospect, definitely an athlete. But I, I would have gone Jefferson all day to illustrate a couple of your points yeah, too. I love them both. I love yeah, them. Yeah, uh, they're both great talents. Yes, but uh, you know, I think Rager, you said, Rager got people got fired up for Rager. I think more because of Philadelphia. I yeah. think that was I, I think that was Peterson versus Zimmer more than people breaking other two players. Sure thing. Um, with Cousins, you know, you said he, he, this offense was tailor-made for him, and all the stats are completely back that up. I mean, a lot of heavy play action, which Kirk Cousins might be the best play action quarterback in football right now. They used it on 31.4% of his dropbacks, which was fifth highest, and he racked yeah. up the most touchdowns in the NFL on play action, 14, only two interceptions. And, well, he wasn't great in fantasy, and I don't know if I'm going to go and target him quite yet because it's just it is a smaller pie here, but, man, is it an efficient aerial pie. He had his career best. TD percentage, his best interception percentage, his highest quarterback rating, and his highest air yards per attempt. So, I mean, even though they don't throw a lot when they do, it is deadly. Um, and, and 
you know, it's key that you said you, you, you believe Adam Thielen can be that anchor. I've heard a lot of people like, oh, you know, Diggs is gone. Now he's going to draw number ones and he's going to you know, regress because of that. Man, I, I totally agree with you. I think Adam Thielen is totally fully capable of being that number one alpha. And when oh, yeah. Kubiak's had one, it, the results have been monstrous. He loves to pepper. It, it typically funnels to one guy, 19 of 23 seasons. There's been a top 24 guy, 12 of 23. It's been a top 12 guy. So over half the time, he's had a top 12 number one guy. They've seen 150 plus targets in 10 of those 23 seasons, 170 in seven of them. So, I mean, if we get bathed in those type of ta- targets for Adam Thielen, who was just the wide receiver six and seven just a couple seasons ago in fantasy he's falling around three right now I mean he's one of the guys that I am all in on I I think he's going to absolutely thrive uh in this offense as the number one guy so it's good to hear we're in agreement there yeah I mean you know I if if Jefferson hits really well right from the beginning that'll affect Thielen's upside certainly but I think Thielen's target floor is like really solid Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, I don't know if you're stealing Thielen in the third, but certainly it's it's a decent, you know, solid pick. The, the, the only thing about Thielen in the third is that the receivers in the fourth and fifth are so good. Exactly. You know, like, right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm probably not taking any of the third round receivers if the running back that I want gets to me. Um, Melvin Gordon. Nothing, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Melvin Gordon, probably the guy I'm, I'm hoping for. But um, it's nothing against the receivers. It's just that this, the receiver drop off is like next to nothing. And the yeah. running back drop off is a cliff. So. It's great points, yeah. And I, I always think in like auction draft terms too. And I, I'm just thinking Adam Thielen's gonna be, you know, it, priced similar to those fourth round guys, and, and could be the highest of that that tier. Yeah, so um, many of my big leagues are auctioned, so it's yeah, I'm the same way. Absolutely, <laughs> loading up on those workhorses and then finding the wide receiver yeah, values it, as it goes. <laughs> like if I did a hundred auctions. Um, I would have such a high percentage of my guys, right? Yeah. Because you can really focus on getting your guys because you've got a wide open whiteboard of, of, of in terms of your strategy. But it, yeah, in a straight trap, so many of my guys go before I get the pick, or um, you know they're they're going before I want them, kind of thing. Um, it's it's much nicer. Or you know if there's you know there's four guys you love in the third round in an auction, you can get three of those guys. Yeah. Right in a straight draft, exactly. only gonna get one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, d- is Dalvin Cook straight draft any day of the week? I love auction drafts. I mean, we yeah. we alternate in my my biggest league, my hometown league. We we go snake then auction, snake then auction, just to kind of like shake it up a little bit, which is fun because I do love the snake too. But when we get back to those auction years, it's always the best. Like it's yeah, I'm and know, this year's an auction year. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, the only thing about the snakes is like, look when. When it's a year where it's like the number one pick is everything, or the you know one of the top two guys is everything, and you know, you know, if you have McCaffrey, you have a fifty-five percent chance of winning your league. Like that's, right. you know, make the guy who gets McCaffrey pay for McCaffrey. Seventy-five bucks, fun. right? Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah. You know, so it's you know, it's it's not my mix into your McCaffrey. It's my forty-dollar mix into your seventy-dollar McCaffrey. Now we've got a game. Right. <laughs> you know, like I like that. Exactly. You, know, you want the big dog? You got to pay for the big dog. That's fun. exactly. I totally agree. Um, we're going to move now to the Browns just because it seems like a pretty natural transition. Kevin Stefanski coming from those Vikings team where Gary Kubiak was his offensive advisor. So a lot of those principles we just talked about, that zone blocking scheme, making yeah. plays. In, in his own words, Kevin Stefanski, they have to look like, taste like, smell like the run. So it's this is his offense. This is his philosophy. It might be just a little bit different because he's – you mentioned the pressure from Zimmer – the pressure from Kubiak. We'll, we'll finally see what Stefanski on his own as the head coach is right. going to do. Uh, but that zone blocking scheme, I mean, we 
saw Dalvin Cook last year, it makes monsters out of you know, Clinton Portis, Terrell Davis, Arian Foster, but then even like no names, Olandis Gary, Mike Anderson. So right. when we get a talent like Nick Chubb, who I think is just as good as some of those big names, Cook, Portis, and whatnot, maybe even better, uh, and, right. and also Kareem Hunt, who's also a great talent in his own right, like how do you see this kind of running game shaking out under Stefanski? Well, you know what? It's it's th- this scheme is a great scheme. I love this scheme. I love getting players in this scheme. Um, but even the Shanahan sometimes year one isn't always perfect. Yeah. You know. Um, because you need to teach the scheme to every single player. And the more they get this thing coached in, the better it gets. So it's possible the Browns are going to have a transition year here. It's possible, as you mentioned, that Stefanski will have some transitioning because he no longer has the Kubiak training wheels on. Um, You know, the Shanahan's and Kubiak, the one thing they're great at is fixing things on the fly. Mm-hmm. When they see something not working, they get right on top of it and they fix it. And they, you know, by next week, it's it's running right. You know, is Stefanski going to be able to sort of, you know, that old philosophical question: if you if if you replace every part in a boat as you cross the ocean, is it the same boat when you get to the other side? You know, is he going to be able to sort of fix the ship as he's sailing it? Kind of thing. The Shanahan's are really good at that. Yeah. Um, the so one thing I do love with that, though, is I, I totally agree. When you're going to this zone blocking scheme, it's like it starts from the ground up and you have to really do it step by step. It, you can't overlook anything. And he's he's acknowledged that as in his obviously saying things and, and executing. It's a, a totally different game. But he is very much like this is going to be a process. We're going to start and, and make sure we lay down layers. He, he cited Gary Kubiak as a guy he learned that all from. You see the offensive lines moves they make. Jack Conklin it, coming from the Texans team. That I mean, the Titans that did run quite a bit of outside zone. They draft Wills. I mean, absolute athletic monster at 320. That that you know, Stefanski said we identified this guy as a freak that can get down the field and and move, and that's why he fits that. So yeah. you see that them laying that groundwork at least, which I, it's huge to point out. But I also like the steps that I'm seeing so far. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we I, basically we can't yet say, oh, this is the next link in the chain. It, yeah. it, we're hoping we're hoping it will be. Um, they're definitely going to try to do it. There's no doubt that Stefanski wants to replicate that offense. Um, you know, I, it's hard for me to put odds on what you know what their success rate is going to be and, and how long it's going to take. Um, but the one thing I would say is this: I, you know, I, <laughs> just change for the Browns works for me. I did not right. like their offense last year. Oh, um, so yeah, I like the, I like this scheme. Hopefully, it works out well right out of the box. I definitely think it's going to be good for Beckham. Um, you know, the, the unfortunate thing with the Browns is that they've ruined a bunch of tight ends. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I I don't want any of them. I know I'm sure a lot of people with Austin Hooper, especially in Dynasty, are just sort of like whistling past the graveyard. Yeah. Um, I, my advice would be except reality it's, it's unlikely I, these guys are going to share and it's already a team where the ball you know a lot of people have dibs on the football right <laughs> you know, they got two running backs that want touches and they've got really good receivers so um yeah i'm not I, i'm gonna i'm gonna unless the Browns tight ends are just free, I'm probably not going to have any of them. Yeah. I'm not touching the tight ends, but, but back to the running games too. And let's say it yeah. does get implemented, right. And it, it works yeah. out. You know, what are your thoughts on Nick Chubb? Who's been, you know, according to PFF, the best running back since he entered the league based on all their grades. Uh, I love yeah. just watching the guy play and Kareem Hunt, also a great player. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? How does he fit this type of scheme if it is executed? And, and what do you think the results would be? 
scheme-wise, he fits it really well. I mean, yeah. you know, they, 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 you know, they ran some of that at Georgia. It's not like completely foreign to him, um, and it, it it fits his style of running. I mean, Chubb is Chubb is a see it and hit it kind of back. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, they say you know, put a foot in the ground. That's Nick Chubb. You know, yeah. um, he doesn't mess around. He's a very direct runner, um, and uh, you know, it's. It works for him. He's extremely yeah. tough to bring down. The, the, you know, you cannot tackle Chubb if you only get thirty percent of them. You got to get, you got to get a hundred percent of them if you want to bring him down. Yeah. Um, and in 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 this scheme, um, I think his style should play very well. You know, he, the, the backs who struggle in this scheme are the indecisive ones. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chubb is not an indecisive runner. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know, I, uh, Chubb's partner at Georgia would would do well in the scheme too. I think Sony would be good. At in this scheme, yeah, um, and I'm not sh- I'm not sure. If, I mean, Sony seems to have lost a s- step, sadly, but he's a back that would do really well in the scheme. Um, now, you know, Kareem Hunt, I don't see any reason why he would struggle, but he is a little bit more of, um, you know, a, a scheme blocking back. So mm-hmm. I think Chubb's a little bit more of a natural fit in terms of the run scheme, um, but I wouldn't expect uh, Hunt to struggle. He's an excellent back. Yeah, exactly. So I mean. The, a lot of concern because they're two very talented backs sharing a backfield, and you never really, especially the first round, want a shared backfield if you can avoid it. I don't right. know. Part of me is like this ground pie is just going to be so big and so productive that I don't mind Chubb right around that one-two turn, but there's so many other running backs that are going there too that I love. So I don't know. You Do you find yourself landing Chubb, or are you kind of avoiding it? Are you nervous of the committee situation? Um, I mean, I had Chubb in the first round last year, and people yeah. got on my case for it, and it worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I you know, I, he wasn't a league winner or anything, but I mean, he 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 paid off. Those fine. first eight games, I mean, the running back six, it, it oh, once yeah, Kareem yeah. Hunt running back fifteen, so that's well, that's kind of the worry, right? Is he going to be that running back fifteen or running back six with the scheme change? Yeah, and, and a lot of people like said, well, you know, um, Hunt was the better fantasy back once he started playing. And, I mean, that's true because he catches passes, but it wasn't like right. Chubb suddenly wasn't good. Yeah. Chubb was still getting a lot of touches, and the offense wasn't really fully clicking. But, I mean, if, the, the only question to me is, is would they suddenly turn Chubb into a 12, 13, 14-touch kind of back? I don't see it. No. I just don't see, you know, exactly. I think he's, I think he's still going to be sort of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 in that area most weeks. And in this scheme, um, that should lead to a lot of good weeks. Um, You know, the only thing is he's probably, you know, I don't know how many passes he's going to catch. I think he's, I think he's, I think he has the ability to catch more passes than people realize. Um, It's not pretty, uh, but he can do it. Uh, Hunt's definitely better at it though. And he's better with the routes. So it's, you know, we are. I think Pat Thorman was saying the other day, we're at that part of the offseason where everybody's talking about, you know, using two running backs on the field together. And, you know, it's a, yeah. at, everybody's sort of going through a, bar, a bargaining stage with some of these backfields. Like, yeah, right. They'll both play, you know. Right. Um, but if, there, if, if ever there was a backfield where you could put both backs on the field and it would make sense to do it, it would be a backfield like this. I, um, I mean, all that talk about Kareem Hunt going into the wide receiver room meetings and and the wide open wide receiver three job. So when they do get – and they're not going to use a ton of three wide sets. That's just not this offense. But if he did inherit that role and becomes that Kamara-style joker, I mean, Kareem Hunt is a ridiculous talent and he himself could – even with Chubb being a monster, there's a, there's a scenario where both of them are just – 
ridiculous backs if he is used in that way. So I, I hope he yeah. is. I don't know. Do you well, see any validity to that? I just, I just pulled up some numbers from last year because I just wanted to make sure I wasn't talking out of my you-know-what. But just look, <laughs> look, look at some of the snap shares. Now, granted, we got a new coaching situation, so who knows what they're going to do. But, um, okay, starting week 17, Chubb played 57% of the snaps. Hunt played 67% of the snaps. So clearly – these guys are overlap. together. Yep. That's a pretty for, for running backs, that's a pretty significant overlap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the week before that, 65 and 57. The week before that, 50 and 61. The week before that, 70 and 63. Fit the week before that, 59 and 65. The week before that, both 57. The week before that, 72 and 55. The week before that, 81 and 54. There wasn't a single game. Where they weren't sharing time. without Not overlap, one. right? Yeah, without overlap. So, you know, it, we talk about it, and most of the time we talk about this, it is sort of like, you know, denial bargaining. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fantasy players just praying that things are going to break their way. But in this particular case, both a both backs are so good, you want them on the field. Yeah. B. The skill set is separate enough where they're not necessarily redundant when they're on the field together. Um, and you may have, you know, it, it may come down to do, you know, would you rather have the second tight end or the third receiver on the field or Kareem Hunt? Right. And Kareem by, Hunt. The time are, <laughs> by the time they've done the math enough times, they may just come to the conclusion that their, their best formation includes both of the running backs. It's, it's, it's not out of the realm. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and I guess the, the, the point of this, sorry, I'm babbling on and on here. But the point of this would be, I I don't think Chubb is a big factor. I think Chubb is where he belongs, somewhere in the second round. He's probably going to be around 18, 20 touches on most weeks. As we yep. said, in this game, that should give you solid high-end RB2 or low-end RB1 appeal, maybe even better. If yeah. It, if, if it, I mean, if the offense clicks. It could be and, crazy. <laughs> right. Then, I mean, who knows what Chubb might do. I think he's going to um, lead the league in rushing, personally. I think it's going to – I might be hopeful. I think it's going to click, and I think he's going to feast. <laughs> That's my prediction. I, I, you know, I – it's it's definitely possible, and I think yeah. pro- I think that's probably more likely next year than this year. But you know what? We're splitting hairs on that. I think the question hunts the question, right? Yeah. Um, I was in a draft where um, Nelson Souza took him with the first pick of the fifth round, which was mm-hmm. funny because the night before on my podcast, mm-hmm. sorry, I was talking <laughs> to Scott Barrett, and I was trying to sell Barrett on Hunt in the sixth, and and you know because you know Scott's a Kareem Hunt guy, so I was thinking, you know, maybe I can get Scott in on this, and he's like, nah. I don't think so. So, you know, Barrett, I couldn't sell on it. But then the next day, I'm sitting there going, well, I love Scott, but I'm still taking out the sixth. I didn't even sniff him. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't come within like 14 picks of me. He went first pick of the fifth. So, you know, I think in PPR leagues, because, I mean, here, here's the basic calculus on it, right? First, you have to look at what, what's Kareem Hunt's standalone value. That's the part I think we're going to argue about. Yeah. But the thing we can't argue about is this. If Nick Chubb gets hurt. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> if Nick Chubb gets hurt, you could make an argument that Kareem Hunt's a top four back. Like top four. 100% easy argument for me. <laughs> right? Okay. So there you go. So, you know, just from an anti-fragility zero RB standpoint. Where does where should Kareem Hunt be going? Understanding that all we need is a you know an injury to a starting running back, which is very common. Yeah. Let's put it this way: What are the odds that Nick Chubb goes down in the first half of the season? 
it's got to be like 10 percent yeah right Probably exactly more, right. right so so you know whatever that percentage is that's the odds that kareem hunt's going to be a top four back yeah which for, isn't horrible <laughs> right right so, worth that you know, price of admission Right. So, if, you know, my attitude is I draft to win leagues rather than drafting for safety. I love the article that Barrett wrote about upside is how you win. I'm a big, huge freaking believer in that. Yeah. Um, we talked yesterday about why why we were taking Derrick Henry in the third, fourth turn last last year, because he can easily end up in the first round value wise. So they, these are the guys we're looking for. So Kareem Hunt's a guy. Even if I have to pay fifth round, ideally, I'd like to get him in the sixth. But. By the end of the season, now I've got two first-round players. Exactly. Because Kareem Hunt's playing like a first-rounder. Like, that's how you win a league. So Exactly. The, but the calculus is, if we don't get that scenario, what's he worth? Right? And well, I don't think it's too bad either. If, if right. this receiver volume you know plays out and the, the, if he gets the role he had at the end of last year, he, he was a top 24 running back every right. single week. You know? So, I mean, so yeah. If, we, if he can be what he was last year... I think if that's his floor, if we could – I don't know that it is. Neither do you. We want it to be. But right. if that was his floor, I think he's a steal in the sixth round. Exactly. Because that's – you're getting – I mean like you should probably get six – that's I – mean, That's what six round, round value, right? Like right, that's right. – I mean a, that's – that floor it, is so, baked into his price. The ceiling's right. not. <laughs> so if I can get him in the sixth and he's probably going to perform even with a healthy chub to that place – I think we're stealing upside. We're just stealing. A thousand percent. I, I'm yeah. all in agreement there. I, I'm getting one of those backs, if not both, in every draft. If I miss out on Chubb because it just doesn't fit, I like you know, get I to like my, my draft slot, so be it. But I will – if I don't get Chubb, I, Hunt is circled. I, if I have to take that fifth-round plunge, I'm going to do it because I, I'm everything you're saying. I call him like the ultimate handcuff with benefits. There's handcuff value to the, right. the maximum, the best handcuff in the game, but he's going to – have his own standalone value. Maybe I don't have to use him at that point because he's my RB4. And if I have to, so be it. But like, it, it, it's stealing upside, as you said. I, I'm a thousand percent in with this scheme and everything. The interesting thing is, like, like I said, in that super sharky thing, Sousa takes him first pick of the fifth, but he's also a guy who could drop to the seventh. Whew. You know, if you're if you're in a league that doesn't have a lot of sharp sharps in. If there's yeah. not a lot of wolves, you know, if there's a lot of sheep <laughs> in your league, then I think um, you could play the game with him and see if you could steal him a little later. You know, obviously, the later you get him, the, the better chance you can just crush. Um, and, you know, that area of the draft this year is so strong. Mm-hmm. You, know, if, you know, first, you know, the, the, the fifth and the first half, the sixth, man, that's just so many good players in there. Exactly. I, I, and that's, again, the auction drafts, like, taking note of that because there's going to be some of those fifth, six guys that after everyone's gone crazy with their budgets that are going to be going for pennies that they, they are worth yeah, so much more. No, for. No, that's, so that's a, you really, know, that's a really good point. Ex- um, you know. Like if you, like, I love that idea of like buying one of the elite running backs, like yep. the truly elite guys. And then maybe sitting back a little bit, waiting for the receiver value to kick in, buying yeah. those, then like, like basically throwing the second and third round out, really get involved in the fourth, fifth round area. And then, yeah, like wait for guys like Hunt to come up and just get Hunt at four bucks and stuff like that. It's going to be gorgeous. Like like you walk out of there with like, you know, Duke Johnson at three bucks and Hunt at four bucks and, and, uh, you know, a couple other guys in that. You know, Marvin Jones is going to go for like $2. No one wants him. He's going to catch 10 touchdowns. Yeah. Stafford at quarterback for a buck. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my strategy there. 
Yeah, you can really. I, I think the, the 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 studs and scrubs kind of draft in an auction this year. You can really. Right. You just have to like up your scrub level a little bit. Like, like like I said, I think I would do like a modified zero RB kind of approach, yeah. or get a monster, one of the top three guys, and then pull back because you're going to be low in the money for a little while. But then yeah. I would probably wait to get back into a strong money position and then dive into those. Pluck who you want uh, in that exactly. Yep. Type guys. Control those middle rounds. Thousand percent, yes. Um, and the then next I, I'm a big yeah. believer in lockbox. Like I like to take twenty bucks and just it's untouchable. So yeah. I always have those second and third dollars down the stretch. Like yeah. I hate losing a player because I don't have a second dollar. Oh, like three hunts goes for a buck and I'm just sitting there going, Oh my god. What's wrong with me? And there's that always happens. Every single draft, and you want to be the guy that steals them for two instead of not That's having right. I that. I mean dollar. I'm I, I have sat there and lost like guys who I absolutely love where it's like, man, like he's at seventeen and I could go eighteen and get him. It's like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose this one because I know that yeah. that dollar is going to mean more to me in 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's the toughest thing to do in an auction it, is to pass up a mid-level value where it's like, man, this is a good buy if I buy him. But the price for this, mm-hmm. 45 minutes from now, we're down to that one, two, three dollar bidding area. And, I, and I'm losing Kareem Hunt on one stinking dollar. I'm not going to let it happen. Exactly. <laughs> but I, that's full, hard to do. It's, it's really hard. It takes to like, a lot of discipline. I know. Yeah. No, but it, I <laughs> especially mean, when you get in a bidding war with somebody that you're like, that's my rival. I'm not letting yes, him get him. And no, it's just like, shit. It's, I would say that the your biggest enemy in an auction aren't the people you're drafting against. It's your own ego. Yes. And your, <laughs> and, and your own sense of. I want this. I'm not going to lose an auction to this guy. Or this whatever. guy. <laughs> you so you so need to get out of your head on this. hundred percent. It's so important. Oh, absolutely. And you can. And the thing is, once you get out of your head on that, you can use it to your advantage. Yeah. Because you can sit there and be like, I'm not losing this. I'm taking this player. You're never going to beat me. And then you just stop bidding. Exactly. You know, I love messing with people. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> auctions are so much fun. It's a blast. <laughs> uh, we should we could we could do a whole series on auctions. You know, like we and you could talk about auctions all day. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, maybe in August, once you and I have both done one, we should get together and talk. I love about it. it. That that would be awesome to analyze our auctions together and, and our missteps, our good moves, everything. That that sounds like a perfect show. I would love like, that. There, there are things you can do in a straight draft to try to you know, finesse the draft, try to get it to flow your way, you know, build up a position early to see if you can get a run on another position, that kind of thing, uh, or trying to create a run in a position. More often than not, I think you get yourself into trouble. But in an auction, yeah, there's so many ways to make it flow your way, like yeah. planning a flag early to bring up bidding, um, like realize like auctions breathe, right? Yeah. There will be times in an auction where everybody suddenly feels aggressive, yeah. And that's when it's like, yeah, that's when I'm going to start throwing out players that are named players that I don't really care about. Let this frenzy happen on those players. I'll kick back. I'm going to stay out. And then when everybody starts to calm down, now I'm going to start targeting players because people are, you know. Another thing about auctions, first five minutes of an auction, you can steal players. Yeah. I mean, everybody's all, a little nervous. Everybody's, you know, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> like, well, let's see what people are thinking with numbers here. That's where you can jump in and save 10 bucks. Exactly. The, the the key to doing it is not calling out the guy everybody's thinking about. Like everybody will be sitting there, like, all right, you know, there's, all right, McCaffrey. I'm not going to let myself not get McCaffrey. I'm not going to let myself not get Barkley. But yeah. hey, you know what? Call out Kenyon Drake. Yeah. Because nobody's going to have a feel for what those mid-level running back prices are, and you could steal Drake. And all of a sudden, when you, we get into the second round, 
Edwards Hilaire is going for 20 bucks more than what you got traded for. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, those are the deals. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that works at an auction. A hundred percent. Moving on to the next offense, we're going to kind of go the opposite end of the scope, whereas Minnesota was one of the only teams that were more run-heavy than they were pass-heavy, and we expect something similar for Cleveland as well. The Cowboys were on the opposite end of the spectrum, one of the most pass-happy offenses last year under Kellen Moore, and now they bring in Mike McCarthy, who almost lost his job for being too pass-happy with the Packers, but he inherits an absolute Ferrari of an offense. I mean, under Kellen Moore, he did a fantastic job as a first-time play caller, 431.5 yards per game, first in the league, second in total passing at 296.8, fifth in rushing, sixth in scoring. I mean, a a solid, solid job from Kellen Moore, who who reported still remain that play caller but even so you know McCarthy's not coming in just to do nothing uh, apparently he had this off season where these last year out he's been studying it's the most cool. explosive it's have you done a little research of that McCarthy project it's I, really cool yeah, what he's I, been doing I, I watched a YouTube like a 20 minute YouTube or something on it and just with him talking about like how they decided to do it why they decided to do it really cool. I, had, I, I have to say I liked McCarthy more once I Watched it. Like, hey, I respected him so a ton. Yeah, exactly. I, I always this thought is... he was so stuck in his ways and he would never change. But then the fact that he brings in some great coaches, studies the college game, studies the best offenses of the pros game, and, and says he's and he remodeling his, it. his yes. crew together. They sort exactly. Of, I, 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 just, I like that whole family element of it. And I think a lot of coaches – would be like, hey, this is, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna do some islands. I'm gonna right. do some traveling. I'm gonna get away from football. McCarthy, McCarthy's like, couldn't do know, it. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lean in. Like, I don't want this to be my last thing. So I'm hundred percent. That's an indicator that he's invested. You're, we're not gonna get a Jack Del Rio situation where they're showing up late to meetings. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, a thousand percent. And he already a top ten offense in scoring and yards in nine of his thirteen years. The number three overall passing yardage over his span. Top five and passing TDs in all but one of Rodgers' healthy seasons. So, I mean, this guy did already have some great offenses. Now he's coming back after a year of refreshing and learning and studying with some great minds. I mean, all of this, especially with Moore, who has that comfort level with Dak Prescott, this all seems to be molding up for another great year from Dak, right? <laughs> I, I mean, the idea that the Dallas offense could fail is pretty far-fetched. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, right. There's, there's, what, what about the offense isn't good? Yeah. Like, name Nothing. me one thing. Name me one. Like, what, what exactly would their weakness be? The only I can't thing I worry it. <laughs> about would be Dak Prescott having more shoulder stuff. Yeah. Because that was a little concerning. And, if, like, a couple of those games, it's like, why? I actually wondered at a couple of points, like, why is he still on the field? Yeah. Like, like he can't throw. Like, why do they have him out there? But um, apart from that, and, you know, there was no surgery, right? And I haven't heard any rumblings of any concern. And, you know, that he's the long-term guy. So I'm assuming that that shoulder thing was a bump in the road. Uh, and as long as that's what it was, um, this offense is just a freaking hot knife through butter. The yeah. only problem with this offense is that it could be so good, so efficient, that they could be shutting it down at some point in certain games, you know. True. Um, I mean, that's that's. I mean, I'm not. By the way, I'm I'm not concerned about that. But if if you're pressing me to make up some kind of concern, it would be something like that. <laughs> um, you know, the, the only issue with the Dallas offense is that there's too many good players in one football. You know, it's it's sort of like Carolina. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Amari is legit good. Um, yeah. Gallup is legit good. Um, and CD Lamb is legit good. So, yeah. uh, 
No, based on ADP, we should, I should, should we pull that up? Yeah, um, as, as you're looking there, I mean, that's, right now... That's the key thing with this group, right? Yeah, so what you're saying there, as you're looking at the ADP, I mean, as we said with Bridgewater, like, first and foremost, let's get the guy who's just going to be racking up points as all of them do their thing, which is sure. Dak Prescott. I mean, to me, he's my number three locked in after you get Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes, however you order those top two personal preference but to me Dak Prescott's the locked in number three would you agree with that or do you have anybody else you'd consider there um that's a good question Um, some people say Kyler some people say Russell you know I I don't know Dak is my guy there if if Seattle signs Antonio Brown well yes there you go Russell Wilson definitely (laughs) now he's there for sure he's there for me Um, too yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think Mahomes, Jackson, Dak, Kyler, Wilson, Deshaun, and then we can start talking about all the other stuff. To me, yeah. those six guys sort of stand alone. Um, yeah, I, I, Dak's, my, Dak's my three. I, look, yeah. I think you can make an argument for Dak at, at two if you wanted to go there. Um, yeah. You know, because look, Lamar is a risk. He could get hurt. Yeah. You know, I mean, Lamar, exactly. you know. I, I love playing the Lamar, the Lamar game. I think he's. I definitely want exposure to him because he's a potential league-winning player. But I wouldn't want to put too much exposure on him because I think he's more likely to take down your season with an injury than Mahomes. Sure. You know, not <laughs> I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, but the more I think about quarterbacks this year, the more I, Mahomes has to be number one because I think the le- he doesn't need practice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you just send him out and say play Mahomes is going to light it up yeah you know you know he might even be better that way yeah you know because (laughs) the more disorganized and ugly the season gets the more fun Mahomes is going to have yeah with it you know what I mean like right he doesn't so I I'm sort of backyard football Mahomes no I'd love it (laughs) it would Um, be but back to back to what you're talking about. Um, yeah, let's get to the wide receivers, right? How do you think yeah. it's going to all shake out? Cooper goes the first. He's kind of right around the third round, you know, second, third turn. Gallup in the middle range. And then CeeDee Lamb falling the, the furthest as the rookie. How do you right. kind of see it all shaking out? And is there one of those three you find yourself leaning towards more? Well, I'll tell you this. If this was not a COVID year, if this was – if we felt really good about this being a good old – NFL season, um, I would 100% be targeting C.D. Lim. Yeah. 100%. That's the guy I'm targeting. I'm not even touching the other two guys. I'm probably going to end up with no shares of the other two and a ton of Lamb. That's what I would do in a normal year because I think – I, well, let's I, play know, that out. Sure. Why, why is that? Why? What has you so high on Lamb for anybody in our Because well, I'm the same way. I'm all about it. I just want to make yeah. sure we drive home what Lamb could do if everything ends up being okay well, in the, the season. A, cu- a couple things. First of all, I think the, the Cooper injury is still a very real possibility. Cooper said foot problems. I don't think there's any reason to think he couldn't have more. And a Cooper injury, boom. Right there, our guy's, I think, you know, a wide receiver too. So we mm-hmm. win right off the bat just with that. I also think, as much as I think, um, you know, Gallup is a good player. I like Gallup. I don't want to say anything super negative about him. He's not C.D. Lamb. I agree. And I think people have to wake up to the fact that by week four, Gallup could be the third receiver. Yep. I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not. And again, this is not a negative comment on Gallup. It's a positive comment on Lamb. Um, so, you know, look, the, there's no way to do the math. There's three great receivers on one 
team. Yeah. That's never going to be good for everybody unless they're just really pass happy. And if you're Dallas, why would you be really pass happy? Like, you can run all over people, and people aren't going to be able to lean on your running game. So you're going to be balanced. Um, so for me, you know, the only thing about the Lamb thing is that he's been creeping up. Like, now you actually do have to pay for him. Yeah. Like what's the, what's the current price that you're, you're seeing right there? I'm seeing him as wide receiver 38 going 112 overall. Now, I'll like still that. take that. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll eat that I'll all day. <laughs> but I, I liked it when he was like about 10 picks later into the 40s. Um, he's yeah. moved up. Like he's ahead of Mike Williams now. I'd um, do that still. <laughs> Absolutely. For me yeah, personally well, at least. I, I, I don't know. I like Mike Williams this year. Yeah. I, I, th- I think he fits their current quarterbacks better than he fit Rivers. Hmm. Um, I think they're going to be throwing more downfield. They're going to be throwing more, more outside yeah. the numbers. Well, Rivers has lost the ability to throw outside the numbers past the mid-range. He just yeah. doesn't have it there anymore unless he's moving up in the pocket or something where he's got his body weight behind him. Um, but, you know, the quarterbacks they have now, they got they got arms. I mean, yeah. Tyrod's got an arm. Yeah. Um, and the rookie's got an arm. So um, I, I think, you know, and I don't, I don't think they're going to be ahead in a lot of games. Right. I, I could be Trailing. wrong on that. A lot of catch up. Yeah, I think they're going to be in either competitive or chasing situations a fair amount of the time. So to me, you know, dialing up shots to Williams um, is is probably going to happen quite a bit this year. I think he's going to. I think he's going to be a bigger factor in the offense than he has been. Um, and you know, this is a guy where is he what in year three or four now? This is his uh, third year, I believe. That's good. Yeah. So you know, he's right at that part where a guy like him could start taking off. He had that back injury that slowed him down his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so yeah, it's year four, right, because the rookie year was kind of a wash. Right, right you're right, it's, so year four, so, yeah. You know, he's in a spot where, you know, I don't, Williams hasn't been a dog or anything. He's had some really good moments, but I think this could be a breakout year for him. Like, could I think be. he, it's possible we haven't seen his best football yet, and I think these quarterbacks, even though, like, sometimes a quarterback downgrade can still be a quarterback upgrade for a particular play. Right. Right. Like a style. Yeah. I don't think these guys are right. These guys are better than Rivers. It's just like Mike Williams is basically you know, Rivers is sort of a glorified breeze. You know, he's got a his his target range is much shorter than it used to be. Rivers used to be able to take shots way downfield with the flick of the wrist. He doesn't really do that anymore. Um, and I think that's been a problem for Williams. It's been good when, for Hunter Henry when he's healthy. It's been good for Keenan Allen because the, he's calibrated to throw all their money routes. Mm-hmm. But the new quarterbacks, I think, are more calibrated to throw uh, Williams money routes. Um, to, but anyways, to me, the so, lamb, though, so just good after the catch. And you think about how McCarthy right. used Randall Cobb and, and how Kellen Moore used Randall Cobb right. last year, especially as Amari Cooper got hurt, too. Man, right. if this guy is getting the third corner and just consistently getting those chances to do his thing, I he's got to be one of the best wide receivers after the catch I think I've ever watched, at least in these last five, six years. So I could see that guy completely feasting especially again drawing the weakest corners uh, man i don't know it, it seems like a complete mismatch that i don't get how a defense could stop it well here's the question is he going to be the third receiver is he it, i mean is cd lamb going to be in the slot i mean i don't know who's going to be where on that offense so i, 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 I think he will be that's my guess and that's kind of what they've talked about a bit is is he would fit right into that slot role that's they can what i keep here. Yeah, um, and that they, they'll move him around a bit, but most naturally yeah. they, they envision him in that 
uh, you know, slot role, and Mike McCarthy used 11 personnel more than anybody else over his tenure as the Green Bay guy. Right. So, I, it, you know, oh, to me, I he's going to be on the field plenty. Like, why would you not there, have these three guys out there? <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if they're not running a lot of 11. But the, the, I am concerned about the COVID, and I'm concerned about the no camp and all that stuff, or, you know, what is camp going to be? Uh, and we, you know, I'm not convinced that camp's going to start on time. Um, you know, I, the NFL, this thing could go in so many different ways. We can end up pushing things off, hoping that everybody masking up is going to get this under control and that they, they, if they start later, maybe they get the whole season in. I mean, who knows what the rationales are going to be? Cause we don't know what things are going to look like two weeks from today. Right. Yeah. Cause COVID's surging in a lot of places right now. Um, if it continues to surge, that's going to mess training camp up. If, if all these other places can bend the curve over the next couple of weeks, you know, it's this thing is just such a moving target in terms of what shape is this season going to take. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if here's what I'm getting to, if camp ends up being normalized, then I like Lamb's possibilities more. If camp is a cluster blank, then I think guys like Lamb, their their better parts of the season could be further into the season. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's so much of it is going to have to because rookies need to learn. They need to figure out where they're supposed to be. Like they can't just roll this thing out there and say, "Yeah, you're playing 90 percent of the snaps, but you don't know what you're doing." Like, right. like you know, so like Gallup and um, and Amari have such a leg up on that. Um, yeah. Even with the new offense, more being the the stabilizing factor, they're going to be able to say to them, "Hey, I know we've only had the equivalent of like 10 days to prepare for a regular season game." <laughs> But you guys know what you're doing. The rookie would, you know, in a scenario like that, Lamb's going to be in there for like 20% of the snaps early in the season. So, you know, I, like I said, when we started this, if this were a normal year, I would be leaning in on Lamb. Like you say, even if he was going in the 90s, I'd probably be taking him just because the upside would be so extreme. Um, even still, though, the, the price of 100 you don't you're not starting him at that sense anyway. So if you are waiting for that week four, week five, or whenever Amari Cooper goes down, and you're playing that long game. I mean, he's maybe the highest type of upside bench guy you could have in that 100 range, in my opinion. I, I would love to well, see what he does. Yeah. Let's 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 think about it. let's talk about this. Um, I lo- I do like Mike Williams. Jerry Judy's sitting there around later. Now Judy's going to start, right? Yeah. So Judy's he's probably going to start from day one. He's great too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I happen to be bigger on Lamb than Judy, but it's by percentage points. I mean, they're yeah. both great. Um, uh, Marvin Jones going to be a starting outside guy for a team that's probably going to throw more this year. Darius I go Slayton. Jones there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Darius Slayton. Slayton. Tons of upside. I mean, now Slayton's got floor problems. Yeah, the ceiling is fun, right? It's huge. Um, oh yeah, we're, we're about. To we're going to get to those Giants. Oh yeah, <laughs> De- Deontay Johnson's got plenty of upside. If Roethlisberger is healthy for 16 weeks, Deontay Johnson's got a ton of upside. Um, Rugs is back there. Jamison Crowder is underrated in full PPR. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Rieger's back there. Um, Preston Williams is back there. Sammy Watkins is back there. The <laughs> receiver's way deep. It's, it's, it's insane. way, way deep. And some of these guys are going to break out. Um, like, in best ball, if you're taking receivers early in best ball, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. I mean, one stud, sure. I mean, certainly somewhere in the fourth or fifth, you're probably going to grab one. But you can backfill with these late receivers and just get – so many good players and when you don't have to make the lineup decision when you can just collect the good weeks in best ball scoring it's such a no-brainer to me yeah absolutely you know, I'm, I'm taking my running backs and my tight ends maybe even a quarterback before i take probably 
I'm probably drafting like eight or nine receivers, and six of them are probably coming in rounds like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 in that area. Yeah. I'm just load up. Same exact strategy, absolutely. And like Sorry. you said, in best ball, you don't need to get the Deshaun Jackson week right. You just have to have him so he gets thrown in your lineup when he puts up 35 points as a round 11 guy. So, yeah, I, I'm all about those stabilizing. Yep. As yep. wide receiver we talked 60, about last Deshaun week. Jackson yeah. is 62. Rashad Perryman is wide receiver 63. That's just tons. Stupid. I yep. mean, I, I'm, Perryman's an example. I mean, I would take, I took Perryman in the, I think, the eighth round of an extra wow. trapped. Wow. I mean, I, I don't understand why people are sleeping on Rashad Perryman. He's probably going to be the most targeted receiver in the Jets. I, we, me and um, Pat Fitz on a, a couple weeks ago talked about this and uh, had a great conversation, Fitz Morris and me, uh, about Perryman. I love him, especially in best ball, too. People an absolute think, target. Like, that Mims is going to come out and get like 140 come targets on. or something? No way. I, I think that's crazy. And I mean, even I love Crowder. But the more you throw to Crowder, the <laughs> the more you increase the likelihood that he's not going to be on the field the next week because yeah. he gets dipped up. So, I, you know, Perryman right now to me is just a, he's a steal. He's down there with Deshaun Jackson, John Ross, D.D. Westbrook, Terrell Williams. He does not belong with those guys at yeah. all. No, neither does Deshaun Jackson, in my opinion, deserves to be no, a little no, bit more I, respected too. I, I agree. Deshaun Jackson's a perfect guy to target in that once the, the the you know once the studs and the guys who are you know guys who are weekly starters are off your line, are off the board. Deshaun Jackson, you may not use him a ton, but if he's starting and healthy, holy yeah. crap, you put him oh, in the yeah. lineup. Nuts, not to put him in. Right, and and so. The, uh, we were trying to shake out here how the targets might go. I mean, I see Amari Cooper kind of playing that Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams role for however long he lasts in that McCarthy system. I, he's, to me, the alpha. He runs the entire route tree. When he's healthy, I mean, I, I think he's borders on unstoppable at times. He's as good as any in the league, in my opinion. It, it comes down to me, CD versus Gallup, and, and how that all shakes out. Obviously, Gallup, the early edge with all these concerns, as you're saying, the, the ability to build the rapport, the ability to learn the playbook. But long term to me, you know, I, I still don't find myself targeting Cooper because that's where I'm st- probably getting another running back. I just I'm eating Ceedee Lamb at cost. And what about the running game? You, you said you know it, they've got to stay balanced. I mean, you have Zeke, like you got to have Zeke. But McCarthy's been anything but balanced in his his career. I mean, his offense has been top ten in rushing only once in attempts. Uh, bottom half in twelve of seventeen in terms of yardage. He's only had a lead running back at two forty or more carries five times in thirteen. I. I my whole thing, I'm sure what you're going to say is Zeke's a different beast. Let's not be worried here. But is there any cause for concern that he shouldn't be in that top three, four range of drafts? In my opinion, no. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm very happy taking Zeke at three when, when, when I'm at three and he's there. Um, the differences I see between the pass happy McCarthy and what we're going to have this year is A, he had Aaron Rodgers. So he had the goat in his prime. Of course, you're going to throw. Um, they didn't have as good an offensive line there, so it was you know they didn't when they ran it was not like they ran effectively. Like you clearly had a better way to play. If you're Green Bay, you're better throwing the ball than you are running the ball. It's hands down the case. Um, and McCarthy's a pretty good coach, so you know I mean if I had goat level Aaron Rodgers, I'd be throwing the ball all over the place too. Um, whereas with Dallas, you can run the ball at will. Like if Dallas couldn't throw a lick, they could still run on you. Right. Like if you want to load up and stop Dallas on the on the ground, you're still not stopping them. Right. <laughs> you know they can just run whenever the hell they want to. So, um, you know the one thing that can't happen to the Cowboys is Dak Prescott getting hurt. Like right. that's what can't happen. So to me, there's any time 
first of all, they're going to have multi-touchdown leads in the first half several times. Like, this team is going to play from way ahead, <laughs> assuming we have football, plenty of times. And in those games, Zeke is going to eat. Um, I also think people are making a mistake when they talk about, and I love the kid. The kid's exciting. But I don't think he's going to get, I don't think he's going to come in and steal mega carries from Zeke. I don't think he's going to be a closer. You know what I mean? Right. I think he's more right. of a, I think he's more of a, a gadget weapon. Tony um, Pollard, you're saying? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the kid, yeah. Just uh, making sure the listeners it, know. I know who you're talking I, about. <laughs> I think Pollard's really good. I, I'm a big fan, but I don't think he's going to... He'll take some volume from Zeke, but not the kind of volume where it's going to bum you out severely. You right. know what I mean? Like, Zeke isn't going to suddenly... like Pollard's not going to make Zeke a 15-carry back. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, exactly. If, 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 if he does, Dallas is smoking something. <laughs> um, and you, you and I talked about the, this before we started recording. But part of the reason for what I'm saying is, if you watch the film, Pollard is more exciting than Zeke Elliott. He's quicker. He'll make more people miss. You know, he might have a better chance at popping the big play. But when when Zeke is on the field, the defense doesn't know what's coming, and they have to. You know, Zeke Elliott could be the best pl- pass blocking back in football. He's oh, yeah. certainly in the discussion. He's definitely the best blocking running back in the game like he knocks people down in space as a blocker so you can you can no matter how you choose to deploy zeke elliott he's a winning football player no matter what you no matter what you if you tell him you're sacrificing yourself you're going to go out and block zeke will do it um if if you like zeke we need to get a chip on the edge not only will he get as good a chip as any back out there if I can show you multiple plays where not only does he get the good chip, he also runs a perfect route after the chip. Yeah. So, like, just try to understand, like, how much coaches love that, how much quarterbacks love that. When your running back is, A, making himself available and slowing down the edge on that same play, like, that's value, man. So you don't take that guy off the field. He's a guy you want on the field. Um so it's nothing against Pollard. I think Pollard is going to be really exciting when he's out there, but it's not going to it's it's not going to take a big dent out of Zeke Elliott. A hundred percent. I don't. I don't. I, I agree with you. And McCarthy himself is exactly as you're saying. Like, yes, why wouldn't you just chuck it every time with Goat Aaron Rodgers? He's got Dak. Yes, very solid too. But he came out and said right when he got hired. First off is Zeke. He's going to get the football. Let's make no mistake about it. We have to build off that. We clearly understand what we have here. So, and we've seen that when he, you know, Ricky Williams with the Saints, Deuce McAllister with the Saints, when it wasn't quite, I have this GOAT quarterback and, and minimal backfield talent. When he had a good running back of Zeke's stature, he rode these guys into the ground. I mean, 290, I mean, a 16 game pace for Ricky Williams was 467 touches, 70 catches, 2,254 yards, and 14 TDs. Granted, that was in 2000. And it's a little bit of a different era now, but that was insane. But then Deuce McAllister, 372 touches, 420 touches, 303 in 14 games. I mean, he has used workhorses before when the offense is, is built that way, when he has the right talent. So it's not like he's immune to the run game and to using a, a running back the right way. So I, I'm all about Zeke, especially with this offense, it, with the potential for it to take off. Uh, I don't see any of these Dallas, concerns as valid. If you're if you're a defense... I mean, I think Dallas is going to come out and run a lot on first down, personally. Yeah. Because their offense is so devastating from second and five, second and four, second and three. Like, I mean, good luck playing them in 11 personnel when it's second and three. What are you going to do? They're they're probably going to run it at you successfully. And if they don't, 
they're going to hit you with something nasty. And yeah. the thing is, and they can take all kinds of chances because it's third and three if they miss, and they're going to be highly successful on third and three. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely, like, they can play any way they want. Yeah, literally, they can attack you any. They can come out and throw on you all day if they want. They can not run it. They can run it all day, and it doesn't. <laughs> McCarthy is smart. Moore is smart. They're going to be able to just look at defenses and go, yeah, we're going to attack them where they. They're going to hit everybody where they don't want to get hit because they can. Exactly. It's one of those offenses that I just don't see coming off the field without points almost the entire season. And in that scenario, what if we get that Zeke return to 16, 20 touchdown range because the offense is so great? You know, that also helps. (laughs) If you're Dallas, I mean, don't get me wrong. In big games that they need to win, I think Dak is a threat to score rushing touchdowns for sure. But if if you're just pummeling average teams, I don't think Dak Prescott's running inside the five a whole lot. I think they're going right. to let Zeke do his damage. I think they're going to throw. Um, you know, the days of, of, you know, Dak scoring like a rushing touchdown, you know, every other game or every three games, I don't see that. Um, and I think they did go away from that last year as well. Is that, I don't think Dak ran as much um, last season, just from memory. I'm going from memory here, which I probably shouldn't do. But, um, I'm trying to think too. Yeah, Dak didn't have all that many rushing touchdowns or rushing right. in general. Yeah, and he's got the right. underrated leg upside too. So that, that could okay, be so another yeah, area he, that raises his ceiling. So 2016, Dak rushed for six touchdowns. 17, six touchdowns. 18, six touchdowns. Last year, three. Um, yeah. And his attempts were at 52, which isn't really out of scale. The attempts were in line. In 2018, he had 75 attempts. Every other year, it's in the 50s. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're this. I think this is going to be a year where his rush attempts are in the fifties, maybe even going down into the forties. Because yeah. why, if you're Dallas, why you just don't need to why? put him in harm's <laughs> way. You just don't exactly. need to. Exactly. So I, I think you know. And the good thing though, with, for his fantasy value, is last year with only three rushing touchdowns, he was still a monster. Number two quarterback in fantasy. Yeah, an absolute right. beast. So it's, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting this out there as a negative on Prescott. I'm putting it out there as a positive for Elliott. Absolutely. Um, right. we'll, we'll move in division now because there has been some coaching change within there. We already kind of hinted at it. Jason Garrett leaving the Cowboys and now joining the Giants as the offensive coordinator for Joe Judge. Longtime caller. He hasn't called plays, though, since 2013. Still will be picking up those duties in New York. And, you know, it's been a pretty pass-happy offense whenever Jason Garrett was there. We have these, like, visions of the Cowboys offense with all the running backs pounding it out. DeMarco Murray leading the league in rushing. And then Zeke Elliott coming in. But that actually all came after Garrett was the play caller. Oh, great, he's the head coach. I'm sure he also, when you have these backfields, you ride them. But, I mean, this was back when Tony Romo was there, Terrell Owens. Romo never fell outside the top 10 or below 19 fantasy points per game under Jason Garrett. Uh, do you think Garrett could help Daniel Jones experience similar success and a, a beautiful pass game here in New York? What do you expect? Well, I mean, I think he's a safe hire for the Giants because I don't think he's going to teach wrong things to a quarterback. So, yeah. I mean, like, even if you decide to move on from Garrett, I think your quarterback's time with him will be well spent, if that makes any sense. Um, so I think from, from the from the Daniel Jones perspective, I think it's a reasonably good hire. You know, he's an ex-NFL QB. He's got a lot of experience working with QBs. He's never really ruined a QB or anything like that. Yeah. So, you know, I think Garrett is a solid guy to bring in. The, the, the thing that has always bugged me about Garrett is just that his formations are so static. Yeah. Um, like I, I like I like I like more moving around. I like to have my receivers moving around. I like to show I like teams that show you different looks every time they they come up to the the line of scrimmage. Uh, Garrett teams have not been like that. Um, 
and again, just because I just feel like the Giants have so many interesting movable parts. You right. know, I love I love the diversity of Evan Ingram, who can literally play in line, slot, X, and be good at all three of those things. I think Zeke Elliott is a great running back, but he can also be a receiver. I'd like to see his full full, full skill set used. I mean, Saquon um, Barkley there. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Thinking of the same sorry, two elite sorry, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and I want, I, I'm hoping that he's willing to attack outside the numbers, um, like Shermer was willing to do last year. I think that you know, if 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 they make this passing attack more um, conservative, that's not going to be good for Slayton. Um, right. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm hoping that Garrett goes to school on what worked for the Giants last year. I hope his, I hope he isn't like we're, you know, I hope he doesn't come and be like, well, we're doing this all my way. Um, I'm not really sure. So, you know, I think there's some uncertainty there. I'm going to stick with the stuff I can count on from Garrett. I think we can count on RB touches. I don't think we need to worry about Saquon. Um, and, you know, it's not like Shermer was real imaginative with the way he used Barkley. So I feel like Barkley, would, they've upgraded the line some, right? Um, so I feel good about Saquon. I, I, you know, definitely feel good. If you wanted to take Saquon one over McCaffrey, I wouldn't call you stupid. Um, I don't have a problem with it. I, you know, I, I can see that being an interesting move. Um, I'm flipping a coin on those two guys, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm all McCar- uh, McCaffrey I'm taking, there, personally. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking McCaffrey, but I think it's really close. Um, but and then the other guy I think you, that I like is Ingram. Um, I think we have to factor in Bacon, the injury risk, a little bit for him because he's had trouble staying on the field. 100%, but, yeah. Um, you know, the injuries haven't been... They haven't been ticky tacky injuries. Like that shot he took on the left sideline to, I believe, his left knee. Yeah, that was a legit shot. He got hyperextended on that. That yeah. would have knocked most guys out for a while. Um, I'm not ready to call him soft. And you know, somebody the other day was saying, "Oh, you know, Ingram's a Jordan Reed kind of guy." It's like, dude, don't, don't. That's go not there. going we're, there. No, we're no. Way, way early on something like that. I don't think he's anywhere near that scenario. Um, and and look at uh, Jason Garrett's targets to tight ends. You know, Jason Witten, a solid athlete, but certainly that's not. Exactly you know, he, he's certainly not Evan Ingram. 141, 121, 124, 128, 117, 147 across the seasons in terms of targets that uh, when Jason Garrett was calling the play. So he certainly has dialed up the tight end quite often. I mean, what's the upside of Evan Ingram if he stays healthy and sees that type of workload? I don't want to get too crazy here, but I get think crazy. Evan, get crazy. With I think <laughs> I, I think Evan Ingram's upside is is quite easily number one tight end in the NFL for fantasy. I think that's his upside. I totally like. Agree. And when I say that, I mean I'm not talking like sneaking into the one spot on a year where a bunch of guys get hurt or something like that. Yeah, I'm talking about him simply outperforming everybody. Like yeah. Kelsey could have a good year and still finish behind Evan Ingram. If Evan Ingram stays healthy and if they use him correctly. Now, those are huge variables and you got to bake them into your value. And there's no reason to pay, you know, round two prices. Ingram, we can get him in the fifth. The beauty is going in round seven often. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. to yeah, me, that's so one of the league winning type of picks you can make is the tight end one upside because of the athleticism, because of the potential volume. If you just get health, I love those type of, ba- you know, bank on that round seven all day. I'm all about it. You and I, you and I talked about, um, you know, this podcast. We weren't sure what we wanted to do with it. We were thinking about talking about that Roto World Rumble thing I did a couple weekends ago um, with a whole bunch of sharks. Um, yeah, 
Ian and, 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 and Daigle were in drafting a team and, and Nelson had the one pick. So like you knew the whole yeah. thing was ugly right from the beginning. Cause one of the biggest sharks on the planet's got freaking McCaffrey to open the thing. So you're, I was immediately thinking, okay, how am I going to be able to box around? Cause I know that once Nelson gets him, he's going to then knock out the rest of his draft. Yeah. Um, so you're, I'm immediately thinking, how can I compete with that team? Um, and that was a tight end premium scoring. Ooh. League, so I, I took Ingram um, middle of the fifth. Um, Perfect. Mid, I, well, eighth pick of the fifth, I took Evan Ingram, um, and the rationale was, um, like you said, if I hit, if he hits, he can help me win the league. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a floor pick. It wasn't a safety pick. It was pure. I, this was me trying to win the league. You know that exactly. And I passed on David Montgomery with that pick. So I would do that all day. I, I'm not a big I'm well, not a big Montgomery guy, but give me the I. upside of the tight end one like potential with had, Evan Ingram. I only had one running back at the time. So ah, that, that's <laughs> also so tricky. I, well, here's the downside. Uh, the, the price I had to pay was I ended up taking Mark Ingram, who I do not love, in the sixth. It's not terrible. Not horrible. And I already no. and I already had I took Lamar in the fourth. Oh wow! Lamar made it to the fourth, so I'm like. Ugh. All right, I'm going to pair them up. You have to jump there. Yeah, absolutely. Why not go after the highest scoring offense of last year? 100%. It didn't feel great. Um, And then then I took (laughs) Hawkinson in the seventh, which is another, you know, I'm I'm bank. Like, Hawkinson is a guy where I feel like if he hits, he could outplay pretty much everybody except the two two or three top. Kittle, Kelsey, you know. Throw Andrews in there too, I guess. Andrews, um, yeah. But, but I think he can, if he hits, if he plays to his potential, he can be up with those guys. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of TJ Hawkinson. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we're off on a tangent now. No, I, I agree. Uh, it's all about Evan Ingram's upside. Oh, yeah, we're on the, yeah, we're on the, we're on the Ingram. What about the uh, the other wide receivers, though? I mean, I, Ingram's the one I'm ending up with the most. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that leads this team in receiving and receptions and touchdowns, the triple crown here with yeah, help. The beauty of him is he doesn't need to compete with these receivers in any other way except getting open more frequently than they do. But exactly. he's going to have his role. He's on the field. He doesn't have to worry about coming off the field because Golden Tate's in the game. Exactly. Where Slayton and Shepard and Tate have that factor. Yeah, um, but they're all going pretty late, so it's an intriguing core. Wide receiver forty-two for Slayton, Shepard fifty-one, Tate fifty-six, according to Fantasy Pros. When I when I wrote this script, I mean yeah. the fact that Garrett has never had a, his top receiver finish outside the top twenty-four. He's had three finish top eight. Yeah, it was To. It was you know, but Miles Austin also was top eight. So he he schemed some pretty good volume. Romo was the quarterback, yeah. so we obviously have to assume Daniel Jones takes a good step too. But I feel like these guys are going really under the radar. And if you find the number one or even potential number two, there's a year when Garrett had three top 24 wide receivers. It was 2011 in points per game. That was rookie Dez season, uh, as well as Lauren Robinson having 11 touchdowns. Miles Austin still putting together a back end of his career. Nice season there, too. So, I mean, there is certainly some good passing game upside of those three or or of all three. Like, are you targeting those guys? And if so, which ones? You know, it's tough. I mean, I think you can make a good argument for targeting Slayton if he makes it to the right part. Like if he's, you know, like Slayton's going ahead of Deontay Johnson. He's going ahead of Crowder and guys like that. I don't know if I can do that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do that because I don't know if they're going to use him as well as they did last year. You know, there is a coordinator switch here. Um, The guy I would, you know, Sterling Shepard going so late would be the guy I would target here. 
The mm-hmm. problem is I'm really concerned about Shepard's concussions. The concussions, yeah. I'm really worried about that. So, like, if Shepard falls enough for me, I might target him because I think it's hard. If if he's healthy, he's hard to take out of the mix because I think he's going to be a lot of inside out. Um, I don't think he's going to come off the field a lot because he's such a good route guy at this point. I'm a big believer that Sterling Shepard's a very underrated football player, but the concussion thing is a real thing. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I'm sort of if 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 Shepard or Slayton is on the board for me well past their ADP, I'll definitely be interested in grabbing one of those guys. But for the mm-hmm. most part, I, I'm I'm trying to play the Evan Ingram game in this yeah. offense. That's, Absolutely. That's, you know, that's where I want to be. Just because I, I feel like the the coordinator switch is really unlikely to hurt Ingram. Mm-hmm. It, it totally could. I mean, out of the wide receivers, I, I personally really like Golden Tate uh, because one, okay. he's the cheapest, but... In his right. game splits with only Daniel Jones at quarterback, it was only nine games of of that. Right. He would he had he was on pace for the wide receiver ten in raw fantasy PPR points. So I mean, this okay. guy one they had a nice rapport. That. Yeah. One thing about that, there is one. I think it might have been was it against the Jets? Golden Tate had like an eighty yard touchdown, like, like bounced off someone's helmet. It, I remember that week. I think it, it was, was the like Jets. Me- yeah, crazy, it crazy. Was- it was like week 16 or 17. So I don't know how much that play, that one play skews the data, but it's it might be worth like looking into. Of course. Um, now, but Golden's what? He's like 31 now? What? When does he turn 32? A little bit older. He's certainly the vet yeah. of this group, yes. <laughs> he, he can definitely still play. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, Golden take. I mean, look, I tend to try to focus on upside guys. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think Golden Tate I, – I mean, I can't see Golden Tate like – just going crazy. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Like, that that small sample with them, I mean, wide receiver 58 price for that nine-game split with Danny Jones, 15.5 per game. They, they had a report. I, Different I, offense, but, you know. I think, there's, I think you're right in that, like, if we were prop betting Golden Tate, will he be better than 58 overall? I think you have a good chance of winning that. Oh, yeah. But, but what are the odds that he becomes a guy I want to play every week? That, I think, is thin. If you know he, it could be. I don't know. I just if he's the one that emerges. I kind of I like these these uncertain target shares of the Giants of the Texans, where there's like who is going to be that true number one. The uncertainty's baked into their prices, and if you get the right guy, uh, and if it's Golden Tate and you get him in round twelve, it, it could be top twenty four. I don't know. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be shocked by that. Yeah, and I, we'll I, I like Golden Tate a lot. I, there's just too you know. There's just a lot of people to feed in this offense. A lot of mouths. Now look, if, if if Shepard gets the concussion thing, then then maybe. But and Angram gets hurt. You know, you never know. There's there's definitely well, right, some right, upside. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's sure there's scenarios. There are, <laughs> some scenarios, scenarios, of course, and, and it's baked <laughs> into the price there. Um, another yeah. team in that division too. We only have a couple more to cover here. I know we're it's a long yeah. pod, so hopefully you're all enjoying them. I don't know. Do you have, you have time to, to break these last ones down, my man? I got as, I got as much time for you as you need, my friend. All right, let's talk talk some more teams and, and staying in the same division. The last couple here, we got the the Redskins bringing in Scott Tor- Turner. 
very much an unknown. You got to imagine at least some of his system's going to be based off of his dad, Nor- Norv Turner, uh, the air yeah. Coriel, the peppering of the running back. Um, yeah. and it, it should only mean good things for this team that ranked dead last and plays per game. 55.3 has a history of using the running back. Very, very one, just from a sheer volume perspective heavily, but also pretty creatively in the passing game, you know, Turner's running backs before McCaffrey, had a 32% share of his pass attempts. So that's only grown since having used McCaffrey and having McCaffrey shatter his own record in back-to-back years of reception. So, I mean, this guy definitely uses his weapons well, especially out of the backfield. Could that be Darius Geis? Is it the freakish athlete Antonio Gibson? Like, How do you see that shaking out in a pretty crowded backfield here? It's such a crowded backfield. I, I, I My problem with that backfield is I love all these guys. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Bryce Love, right? You know, I mean, nobody talks about Bryce Love. I mean, if Bryce Love shows up with a hundred percent healthy knee, <laughs> look out for Bryce Love. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> but I love guys. Um, I'm a I'm a big fan of a healthy Darius guys. Um, I thought it was really encouraging that he looked pretty twitchy down the stretch last year. They never really gave him. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what his biggest touch total was, but I, I want to say it was... I think a 12. Like, it, it wasn't yeah. anything crazy. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think he ever hit 15 from memory. Nah. And, and he uh, did some damage on those 12, though, even oh, in, like, yeah. the screen game no. and things. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was, I liked what I saw. Um, it's like, now I'm curious. I have to know. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was... And snap totals are even even lower. It looks like they were using him when he was in there. Um, yeah, he, he, he never exceeded 10 rushes. Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, but he did score three times. Um, he did put up 129 on 10 carries against Carolina. Granted, it's Carolina, but still. Um, Where Scott Turner's coming from, though, so he's seen it firsthand. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Um, so yeah, I, I just think Geis is a player where, because he's had this tough injury thing to start his career, it seems that people have sort of moved him down in terms of how good he is. Mm -hmm. I I, I think, you know, we we haven't really seen the talent that we saw in college yet, except for a little brief snapshot last year. I'm I'm fine for people downgrading him on injury risk. I think you're making a big mistake if you're downgrading him on ability. Um, And I I think the one thing people are missing in this backfield is this. If Darius Geis shows up, raring to go, 100%, he could take this thing completely. Yeah. He could take everything. Like AP could be a couple touches a week. Bryce Love could be not active. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, you know, Peyton could be a complete a- Peyton Barber could be a complete afterthought. Um, the rookie could be nothing but a rookie. Like it could be the freaking guy show. I think people mm. are discounting that scenario. Now I'm not yeah. saying it's gonna happen. It might be just a 20, 30% scenario, but Let's just look at it this way. And if it happens, what, what's the results? What's the outcome? That's <laughs> exactly where I'm going. So if uh, – I'm just I'm, – I'm trying to pull the um, the ADP back up. Now, I think if – I'll get mistaken, you for that. Yeah. So he, he's going like I, I want to say 80s right now, like round right. seven, round eight is, is the last I saw, I believe. He's – I've got him as RB32, pick 74. Yeah. Okay. Now – I'm loving him there, okay? Yeah. The other backs in that area, Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, if you take Keyshawn Vaughn over Darius Geis, I don't even know what to say to you. 
<laughs> I really don't. I, I don't even know what to say. Um, you know, Carry On Johnson, I, I, you know, uh, Marvel In a Mack, committee? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, committee. Sony yeah. Michelle, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I... Dobbins you know. intrigues me there, but that's the only that's name that true. I've even like, and and he's behind Ingram to start at least. So redraft right. wise, like, and, and and how many passes could he possibly catch? Right. No, I mean, and you know, now I'm seeing James Conner at overall 44 RB 27, which is RB 28, which is a joke. Like I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah, James Conner's a steal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts. I don't even trust those numbers. Um, like people taking Mark Ingram over James Conner. What are you doing? Taking Devin Singletary over James Conner. That makes no – yeah, I'm all in agreement. I, he's, I think he's my running back 15, I'm pretty sure, is James yeah, Conner. Yeah. It's like a lot of people smoking crack here. James Conner has got to be <laughs> way – um, I mean, I've got him in – like I've, I've got him right there with Melvin. You know? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Um, you if know, I miss anyway, Melvin, that's my, my third running back target for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but back sorry, to guys. Yeah, <laughs> You're getting lost in the ADP over here. Right? What do we got yeah. with guys? <laughs> the guys is that player where, first of all, if I'm taking him as RB32, what's really the risk? If I miss, I miss. I can overcome that if I do miss. Yeah. Um, but he's got the ability to play. Uh, he could be the RB15. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. I, I he's that good. So right. And and, and what were his injuries? Let's let's go through this. I mean, he tore the ACL, right? Like his rookie year in the preseason. That's a significant thing. But if this year happens, he's going to be two full years removed from the ACL. The other injury, I want to say, was just an MCL tweak. I'm going from memory here, so I don't want to be wrong. So let's right. I can. I'll I'll look it up while you uh, while you let it rip. Yeah. Yeah. Look up, look up the more recent injury. I want to say it was like a mid-level MCL, which should no longer be a factor. Yes. Uh, so my, my take on Geis is that he should be fully healthy this year. There's yeah. no reason he should not be fully healthy. So the thing we need to worry about is re-injury. Yeah. Um, you know, so if I can get Darius Geis down there in the later rounds um, as my RB3 or RB4, um, man, I love that. I love it. How and is I'm, he as a pass catcher? Does he have like the receiving upside to be a, a true three-down guy? I mean, I don't, you know, he's not he's not Mr. Smooth as a pass receiver, but he's he's good. He's solid. I'd say he's he's a, a good average NFL back as far as being a receiver. Um, yeah. I would I wouldn't make it a huge positive or a big negative, but I think overall he's a good football player. Yeah, um, and he's young. You know, he's a pretty good pass blocker. So, um, you know, it, I just think when you look at the rest of this backfield, I mean, do 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 the Redskins really want to play Adrian Peterson over a healthy Darius Gates? I think it'd be stupid. Yeah, um, and you know, Peterson's not much in the past game, especially at this point. Um, you know, if if you have to go to Adrian Peterson, it's nice to have him around because he yeah. can still do it. He can run for some volume. He can, you know, string a big run together here or there. But he's he's nowhere close to what he was. Right. He's no he's he's a one cut running back now. Now he's not a two cut back. Uh, he's not stringing cuts together. Right. Um, so to to me, if Geis shows up and is playing healthy, hundred percent. You know, Washington's going to be like, hey, you know, let's get the fan base excited. We got a young future potential guy here. Let's get behind this guy. Yeah. Uh, start using him as a volume weapon. You know, get the get the game opened up for our quarterback. Um, so I, I'm big on guys because if he hits, he can hit real big. Because yeah. he's a lot better 
than everybody else they got. The one other guy whose talent I like equivalent to his, for me, is Bryce Love. And Bryce Love has an ACL that's more recent, and he had some trouble with knee stiffness in that. I don't know where Bryce Love is on, right. on, on, on the curve to you know getting back or, or if he'll ever get back. Um, and now, Brady, I know where you're about to go. <laughs> I was going to ask Antonio Gibson. Is this that? Uh, <laughs> does that worry you at all, or what do you think about his fit in this offense? He doesn't worry me this season. Um, he worries me long term because he's got a lot of talent, a lot of strength, and a lot of size and speed, and he can break tackles. And he's a really fun, exciting player. But he's not a complete player at any particular place on the field. Mm-hmm. So, to me, he's a long term threat to somebody on that team. It could be. As a, like an H back or a slot, or he could be a long term runner. Um, but you know, I, I saw plenty of disconnect in his game. Like, I love him as a future guy. I thought he was a fun dice roll in rookie drafts. And you know, coming in and taking Geis's job if Geis is raring to go, I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, if Geis gets hurt though, could he be a potential three down guy, or is that going to be more of an AP and then a gadget guy still comes in? I think that's a, I think that's a long putt. For him as a rookie, particularly on this particular rookie season, because yeah, well. again, it's gonna it's gonna be it's for a guy to come in, you know, you know, for a guy like him, for you know anybody who needs to learn. I think this is a tough year, you know. Like yeah. this would have been a tough year for Julian Edelman to come into the NFL, you know, a guy who's like in the middle of a position switch, or a guy like Braxton Miller, um, you know, who never made it. But you know, a guy like Heinz Ward, we can go way back. A guy who was transitioning as a as a rookie, you know, this is a tough year for those kinds of guys. Brad Smith, remember him? A guy who used to be on the Jets, yeah. <laughs> was, was moving from quarterback to 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 slot, whatever. So this is a tough year to be a guy like that. Uh, doesn't mean they're gonna they're not gonna have good careers. It's just they're gonna be a little bit of a longer curve. Yeah, that that makes total sense. Uh, and, and a guy who many expected to have a longer curve and just blew up last year, Terry McLaurin, and. and you know, this offense, the Scott Turner, the Air, the Air Coriel, they love to go deep. You know, Vincent Jackson to uh, Josh Gordon. Scott Turner was actually the wide receiver coach in that 2013 for the Browns when Gordon led the league in receiving in only 14 games. So, I mean, he, he knows the position. DJ Moore had a great year last year. So they, they fed their top guy plenty. Is McLaurin ready to be that true alpha? Is he going to be the number one and lock it in? I love Terry McLaurin. Um, I was trading up for Terry McLaurin in drafts last year. Um, yeah. So you, you, I love him. Um, he could have been even better than he was last year, if uh, who the hell was it? Keenum. Keenum and then the, <laughs> and the Haskins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Keenum was actually. I mean, Haskins didn't play very well, but Keenum missed so many deep shots. Yeah. To wide open McLaurin. I mean, McLaurin easily could have had another three touchdowns and another 250 yards if they had Oof. just put the ball anywhere. Um, so yeah, I love McLaurin in general. I think he's still. I think he's still underrated, even after the rookie bust out. Um, and I think if we can sort of assume that Scott Turner is going to continue to emulate the Turner tradition, yeah. If you know, if 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 we can count on a sort of um, Malcolm Brown route tree, if you will, or a. a a Vincent Jackson kind of route tree, if they can use him as a big downfield weapon. Um, and, you know, Haskins absolutely has the skill set to make that work. Um, if they can get Haskins to dial it up a little bit better. Um, I, I, I love the Turner. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't like it when they brought the Turners in for Cam. I love the Turners for this situation. So I, I like it a lot. 
I, I gave you a lot good. of ifs and ifs and ifs. What's the result? If it all comes together, well, what do we get? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, ifs, the, the ifs are they do have to get the rookie quarterback a little bit better. Haskins has to be more comfortable. He needs to be more under control. He has to, you know, when Haskins is out there and not thinking and letting it rip, he can make throws. Yeah. So they need to get him to that place. Um, as long as that happens, I, I, I really like it. And I really like the idea of McLaurin being in that old scheme that we saw for so long in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, he could light that thing up. He could it's really serious. light that thing up. I'm, it wouldn't shock. I mean, J- Josh Gordon was obviously special, too. But, man, like if he's used that way, the way the Turners used him that one year in Cleveland while they were there, too. Whew. Could be great results, but the big if is Haskins. All the reports so far are very positive on him that he's cut down his body fat. He's taking it all so seriously. He's out throwing every day. So hopefully, if he takes that step, McLaurin already got it done with garbage quarterback play. What yeah. could he do with something competent with a play call and, that's sending him deep all the time? <laughs> and this being a team that's in a division with other teams that can score points, um, you know, there, there could be a plenty of games this year where Washington is they just got to throw. You yeah. Know? Absolutely. Like this, this, this season could play out really well for McLaurin in terms of game scripts. Um, and I think the one thing I think people underestimate with McLaurin is just his play strength. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know he's really fast, and, he, and, and you know, I think people see him as a deep threat. And he, he got off the line of scrimmage better than a lot of people anticipated, including me, by the way. Um, but I think people don't realize how strong he is. Mm. He's a really strong player, um, and he's stronger than the quarterbacks covering, and he's, he, he surprises people um, with his strength. And I'll be blown away if he backslides, if he regresses. It'll really surprise me. Yeah. And the, the last offense we have on the list here is the Jaguars, which is nobody's <laughs> imagination of a great time there. The Jaguars is pretty damn hideous. They've been hideous for quite some time. But Jay Gruden, <laughs> mediocre coaching results so far uh, in terms of offenses. He's kind of always been middle of the pack, but he has generated some really good success at the quarterback position. I mean, quarterback 17 and Andy Dalton's rookie year, quarterback 12 the next year, quarterback three the next year for Andy Dalton. And then he goes over to Washington and we see QB eight, QB five, QB six, all over 20 points per game for uh, um, Kirk Cousins over there. So ultimately we've definitely seen some good production. He makes it kind of easy in that West coast offense. A lot lot of quick ins and and outs that get the ball in the, the receiver's hands, lets them do their things. So, so to me, that, that at minimum is the best type of play caller we've seen in Jacksonville for a while. Could that fit Minshew in what he does? And is there any hope for, you know, DJ Chark had a great blow up last year. If those two, could those two get their games elevated under Gruden? What do you kind of see here coming in? Uh, I like everything you said. I agree with it. And I think Gruden's a really good fit for Minshew. Um, you know, I think there's nothing Andy Dalton can do that. Gardner Minshew can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I I'm, I think clearly the quarterback and the play caller and the schemer will fit fine. I don't think there's a problem there. Um, Shark's great. I think definitely I'm fine targeting DJ Shark for upside. Um, but I think it's I you know I, I think we want to be careful not to discredit the other three receivers. You know, D.D. Westbrook's a good player. Um, Chris Conley's a good player. Um, yeah. LaVisca Chenault is going to be a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and you, the, these guys fit together pretty well. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, if, if, if the offensive line can hold up a little bit, I think this offense could be a lot of fun to watch. I think Gruden and uh, Minshew is exceedingly smart. 
Um, he 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 will run the offense the way Gruden wants it run, uh, and these receivers are good after the catch. And um, you know Westbrook gets open really well. I think this offense works. I also like their young tight end out of uh, um, what is it, San Diego State? Is he out of San Diego State? I think he's out of San Diego State. Um, what? Uh, What's his freaking name? The kid they drafted last year. Uh, I, I forget. I know they brought in Eifert in the offseason. I'm trying to remember who yeah. they drafted last no, year. I like I like the kid. Now I'm, I'm spacing on his name. I'm so I'm so overtired. I didn't get sleep. Last <laughs> um, but now you know what? we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to go to the uh, the sophomore oh, tight end. We'll find it. I'll, I'll... No, 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 no. You know what? I'm just gonna go to my my dynasty rosters because I drafted this kid everywhere. Yeah. As, <laughs> so as, as you're looking at that too, I mean, I I love. All the talent there, to me, Shark, we have that A.J. Green type of measurables in terms of the size, the speed. Josh Oliver. There you go. Yep, yep. Um, (laughs) Shark, I I think, is getting pretty overlooked. You know, 6'3", 4'3", 4'40", absolute blazer. You know, wide receiver 17 last year, but before he got hurt with that ankle injury – only, right. you know, seven receivers had more fantasy points than him. He was the wide receiver five through week 11 until all the quarterback kind of stuff started going on. So, I mean, this guy already was dominating. Now they're talking about moving him to the slot more. If Minshew does, as you said, fit this scheme as perfectly as I expect to as well, especially for Chark, I think it could be a, an intriguing passing attack. Is, is that going to help you get back on Leonard Fournette and his positive regression? Or are you just like, uh Lenny, I, I'm not on Leonard. I don't want Leonard. But what's your thoughts on him? You know, rebounding within a better offense. Well, I definitely think things are better set up for him in terms of running the ball. I think that I think this offense will function better. But obviously, the the targets for Fournette are in jeopardy because you've got better pass catchers now. You know, they brought in a uh, little scat guy, little CT, Chris Thompson. Um, oh yeah. So so. You know, for as long as Chris Thompson is healthy, that's a big problem for Fournette. He's yeah. going to lose a lot of targets. Um, so right there, you got a problem. Um, I also just don't. I'm just not a big Fournette fan. I don't trust the guy. Yeah. Um, but look, at some point, if he's there in the third round and 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 running back is a position of need for you, you may have to hold your nose, bite the bullet, and take Fournette. It's not. Yeah. It's not psycho stupid or anything. Um, yeah. But it's it's probably not something I'm looking to do. Would you take him? We we already talked about James Conner. Would you go Conner over Fournette? Yeah, yeah, I would too. I I have Conner higher in my rankings as well. Well, So at that point, you know, I'm gonna yeah. There's some high end sharks who tell us we're wrong. So I don't want to sit there and act like it's a no brainer. But yeah, I would. Absolutely. Um, Is there any other jag? Yeah, yeah. Is there any other jags notes you want to go through? I mean, it's Um, not the most exciting offense, so that's probably the one we need to spend the least time on. I you know I think Minshew is a, a pretty good late flyer at quarterback if none of the other guys you want are there i think you could do a lot worse than gardner Minshew, and i think Minshew could have a lot of value if you can get him late enough in a in a super flex kind of league um um where's where do you have sharks adp i I a lot a lot of the shark thing is well where am i taking him um you know like i've seen him in the fifth round if i can get dj shark in the fifth round i'm very happy with that yeah, 51, 51 overall, wide receiver 21, so early fifth to, you know, maybe potentially following late, so, yeah. So, yeah, if, I mean, if you can, if, if Shark slips a little bit and you can snatch him up, like, in the mid-50s, I love it. Um, you know, and if, you, if you're if you sort of leaning in and taking him in the fourth round, I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, it just depends who else is there. I mean, if A.J. Brown or uh, even... Mean, Bobby Woods for me, like uh, you know, there's definitely there's so many Terry McLaurin as we just talked about. It's tricky sifting through that because all any one of them could explode, including Shark. Yeah. I mean, the only the only issue I would see with Shark, and this is really reaching, 
would be if Chenault hits and Chenault hitting pushes Sharks route tree down the field. Mm. He could become a little bit more of a hit or miss guy. Um, If, you know, if they're not using him on slants and screens and stuff like that. So Chenault, if Chenault hits really big, he could get a lot of volume in that area, which could move Shark. I mean, Shark would still be amazing, but it could make him a little more volatile week to week, if that yeah. makes any sense. It does. Um, I, I mean, I still think he would, even in that scenario, I think he will be very good. But he could be a little bit more of a, you know, 25 one week, seven the next kind of guy. Yeah. He could move into like like the way Tyreek Hill was last year. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if he, but I think Shark has the ability in some scenarios to become a volume weapon. Yeah. If things break right for him. So, um, you know, the, the other four, the other three receivers are going to be a factor there. Um, you know, and, and people forget, you know, Chris Conley's a pretty good athlete. Freak athlete. Um, had, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had, he had some good weeks last week. Um, so uh, the one thing about this offense, don't forget, like, people have basically decided Westbrook's a dog. I'd be careful with that. You never know when he could get hot again. Yeah. Um, and you know, none of these guys are bad. They're all pretty good. Um you know that that that's the one thing I would just you know don't forget about that. Um, but I like this offense. Um, and where do you where do you where do you look at this offense like within their division? Um, mm, I mean, I like the Texans obviously a lot more. I think the Colts, if Rivers still has any gas, will be legitimate, especially in the run game. They'll be, I mean, in terms of total points, maybe not, but they're gonna they're gonna be able to pound that rock with Taylor and Mac for sure. Right. Like, and, here's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Sorry, but finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go. What, what, what's your? Yeah. Keep going. Well, with it. I'm just wondering, in, like, when I look at this division, I see some teams that don't play the way I want them to play. Yeah. So, so what I mean is, are, is are the Jaguar are the Jaguars going to get stuck in some ugly games with the Titans? Are they going to get stuck in some ugly games with the Colts? The slugfests, um, right? Yeah. Right. The the other three coaches in this bleeding the clock yep. are very willing to play ugly football. So Absolutely. that could that could hurt us a little bit. Uh, um, now, factoring in that, one of the Colts games is Week 17, so that helps. Yeah. Um, so you're only going to have one Colt game that matters. Um, they do get the Ravens week 15, the Bears week 16, Titans week 14, Vikings week 13, Steelers on the on week 11. So their closing schedule is pretty awful. Yeah. That could playoff be time is not something you Yeah, exactly. Could get ugly for right. them. So, you know, now they do have the Bengals, Miami, Detroit, um, they've got some decent matchups early. Like I could see the Jaguars being a team like draft shark and if he gets really hot, maybe so high. Get, trade with him. Yeah, Tr- yeah, trade with him till they get before they get into that second half of the season, something like that. Um, even some of the teams we didn't mention. I mean, um, you know, like they've got the Chargers on their schedule too. Chargers defense could end up being pretty good. Oh yeah, they um, got some talent. You know, yeah. So um, and they got the Browns on their schedule. I mean, it's possible the Browns defense could could take a turn to being nasty. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough to say. So. Um, yeah, I, I could see the Jaguars being a team to have some fun with early, and then maybe if they're hot, you know, sell high. <laughs> but yeah, like I'm not saying trade Shark at a loss. I'm like, you know, maybe move Shark to see if you can get, 
a receiver who's performing at an even higher level, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps up all the new offenses. Thanks so much, Pete, for all the insight you bring to that, all the player fits into these new schemes that we're breaking down. You got time to run quickly through the uh, the no-huddle offense with me, the quick gut reactions? Of course, man. All righty. Let's, let's do it. Sorry if I've been long-winded. No, man, it's, it's, I, I it's all good. <laughs> it's all fantastic insight. If it was long-winded and I didn't want it, I'd cut you off and try to keep it moving. But I could, can, I could sit and talk ball with you all day. Better. Yeah, well, we, if we need to trim it down, we will. But ultimately, it's all, in my opinion, I, I love it all, digging in as Thanks, deep man. as we do. It, it was fantastic insight. Uh, but this part of the segment is meant, if you, you got anyone you want to dig into, you're welcome to. But it's supposed to be more quick-hit gut reactions. You hear what I say and just who comes to mind, all right? Yeah. I already know your answer to number one, so I'm going to switch this one up real quick for you. After, oh, okay. McCaff- after McCaffrey, Saquon, and Zeke, who are you going to go at number four? Hmm. Interesting question. <laughs> um, let me think here. I'm actually going to pull up ADP just so I don't do something stupid and like that forget. That might help, though, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm probably going to take Kamara. The next- I, I think I'm, pro- I'm probably going to go Kamara. There you go. Next, Dalvin Cook or round two running back who's top five in 2021 will be? So the, a guy I can draft in the second round. You know, I'm probably going to go with Kenyon Drake. Love that one. I think, I, you know, I, and, and look, I'm just to be fully honest here, I, I'm looking at his ADP and it's giving me, you know, it's giving me Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake at, at, at 24 and 21. I like most of the drafts I've been in Sanders going in the first round. Yeah. So, I'm not, you know, if, if, if you've got Sanders in the second round, I think he could also be in that group very much. So, um, so Sanders and Kenyon Drake, but since Kenyon Drake's going after him on this ADP, I'll go with Drake. The next Chris, I would take, I would take Drake at the turn. Oh yeah. I, I have him, I think, eight overall, so I'm fully aboard on that. I I love Kenyon Drake. The next Chris Godwin or round four to five wide receiver who kind of explodes into the elite will be. Oh my gosh. There's like so many guys you could do here, right? So who's uh, the gut say? Who comes to mind right away? <laughs> I I'm gonna go with um so we're talking about fifth round. Um four fifth, yeah. That range. This is a middle round receiver. Uh, I'm just trying to. Uh, there's so many guys. Uh, I, I, you know what? Let's go with. Um, I'm, there's one guy here. I'm looking at. Where's he even going? Where's? Okay, like on like on this thing, DK is actually going 40 overall, so he wouldn't even make it to the fifth round. So I can't. I can't say DK Metcalf. You could say DK. That's that's plausible if that's I'm, your guy. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with McLaurin. I'm like go it. Twenty twenties yeah. Mark Andrews or breakout tight end is gonna be. Well, Ingram wouldn't qualify because he's going too high, right? Yeah, it'd probably be a little too high there. I would say it's either gonna be Hawkinson, um, and if it's not Hawkinson. I know some people are going to like cringe and say this is gross, but Hayden Hurst. I love it. Fantastic okay. call. Most hated NFL player for fantasy specific reasons is. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. I, I hate saying that I hate people. Um, <laughs> Who's burned you sometime, is... though, in fantasy? That you're just like, ah, I hate that guy, okay. whether he busted um, or he destroyed you. <laughs> Either way. Sammy Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> If there is some, he's crushed yeah. my soul. Oh yeah! If there is somehow another Lamar Jackson or Pat Mahomes, it would be. 
How far? How far down the line do we have to go here? Uh, you can, whoever comes to mind. It, it, Kyler. Which early rounder, first or second, is going to bust the hardest? I'm sorry. Say it again. Which early I rounder? Too, I was, in my mind, I was too busy. I, I was too busy going. Should I have said Josh Allen instead? Of <laughs> sorry, I like I, that call too. No, throw him <laughs> out there. Um, I'm going to be talking with Silva tonight. Actually, he has Josh Allen at QB four above Kyler Murray at QB seven. So I'm gonna. That's well, gonna be one I'm gonna ask him about. I think it's really intriguing. So you know, Josh yeah. Allen haters, man, where did they go? I don't know. You remember, some, you remember some of the propaganda on him? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I had, I had some analytics guys going, he can't make it. It's impossible. It's like, all right. He's a special <laughs> player. Um, which early rounder, first or second, is going to bust the hardest this year? Ooh, okay. Ooh, interesting. Early rounder, first, what rounds? First and second only? Yep, yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, ooh, I... I'm going to say either – and I love this guy, but I think people taking Edward Solaire early second round are making a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the other guy I'm going to say, believe it or not, Godwin. Intriguing. Who, I, I, do not, I do not have Godwin middle second round. Who do you think gained the most value during this 2020 offseason? Good question. Gained value during the offseason. Bear with me here. Gain value during the offseason. Um, Miles Sanders. He's a, he's a popular answer, absolutely. Um, conversely, they yeah. They didn't bring in any competition. So I exactly. love Boston Scott, but he was already there. So Exactly. Yeah, let's go with Miles Sanders. Conversely, who do you think lost the most value? Interesting. Um, lost the most value. During the off season, yeah, this off season, twenty twenty. Bear with me. <laughs> um, lost value. Uh, I'm going to say Keenan Allen. Mm. I, I think I think they didn't bring in a quarterback that helps him, so I think he I think he lost value. I won't leave the middle rounds five through six without which player. Um. Five through six. Hmm. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Have you ever played the board game Settlers of Catan? I've heard of it. My son loves board games, but I've never actually played it. Should I? Um, oh, absolutely. I, that, that's the reason it's on there. The best board game out there. You should absolutely look into it. I'm, <laughs> Very... gonna, I'm a big board game family, so we're gonna get. We're gonna check it out. Absolutely. How much uh, I think it's like 20, 30 bucks for the game or so. And it's it's cool. It's a new game every time you play. It's it's my favorite for sure. Um, the next sophomore wide receiver after hey, or you know even – Yeah. Can I – you know what? I'm going to go off Keenan Allen and say Michael Gallup. As terms of loser? Yeah, lo- losing yeah, value. Yeah, I think he lost, he lost a lot of value. He'd actually – he's my personal answer when I rub myself through this one. So okay. absolutely. Okay. Um, the next sophomore wide receiver after or even before A.J. Brown should be – Interesting. That's very interesting. Sophomore receiver. Yeah. Is AJ Brown the first guy going? I guess he would have to be. He typically is. Yeah. So. Um. I'm gonna go DK Metcalf. Do you prefer target hogs or workhorse backs? 
Is 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 it an either or question? I don't know. If, I like both. You love them both, but you got to <laughs> pick one. Who do you love more? Workhorses or Target Hogs? Um, I can't even think of that in a vacuum. But I guess if I have to have an answer, I'll go Target Hogs. <laughs> Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Austin Eckler were all top five running backs that went after round seven in twenty twenty. That would be after round seven running back after round um you know what let's go with um i'll give you two names that i really like um and it's geis and damian williams what are your ideal league settings yeah okay i remember when you, okay i'm very i don't care much about league settings i just want to know what they are i'm a big play to the settings guy um is is auction format a league set? I like that. Yeah, kind of, absolutely. We'll take okay, that. I'm gonna go. I want. An, I want an auction. I, I, mean, I love. T- I love tight end premium scoring. Um, you know, I I love super flex and I love single QB. Like it doesn't matter to me. I I I'm gonna let me just throw out a couple things that I like. I like um, first downs mm-hmm. as a score. Like 0.5 for first downs. I like that. Um, but I I am happy to play any almost any scoring. Um, as long as it's not super silly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I to me, just tell me what the scoring is. Yeah. You know? You got to play to it, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I enjoy playing a lot of different types of scoring. Of course. I think it's fun. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after Michael Thomas and Adams, owners should draft blanket wide receiver. Tyreek Hill. Which was the most important? We actually spent the whole podcast on this, but out of all these coaching moves we've talked about, which one do you think is going to go down the most important and for whose value? Oh, good question. Um, good question. Hmm. Let, let, let's, go, um, let's go with our guy in Carolina. Joe Brady and Matt Rule. Let's go with Mr. Brady. And... Um, I think it's going to be best for McCaffrey, even though I don't think it's going to necessarily. What? Wait, wait. No, you know what? That's not fair because you're talking strictly fantasy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think he's going to make McCaffrey better and more efficient. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily. It's hard to improve on what McCaffrey did for fantasy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw a curveball. I'm going to stick with Brady, and then I'm going to say Ian Thomas. Interesting. Interesting. He's going to have some fun with it. <laughs> Do running backs matter? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do, but not, but yes, but not always. Like I, I'm a big fan of the of the whole what we're actually talking about when we say running backs don't matter. That it it, it is often the most. I think running the football is the most replaceable thing, and it's replaceable because there's such great depth at the position. So there are there are more than you know there's 60 70 really good guys who can run the football mm. most teams have too so when your one goes down you're still you're, you're still going to be able to run the football because running the football is a team thing yeah. right so many other people are contributing to it so most teams have a guy who they can go to if the first runner goes down and the running game still is going to is going to click pretty well so running the football is a very replaceable skill but having said that you know try replacing Saquon Barkley good luck yeah. with that Right. Especially if you're using his his full skill set, you know, uh, try replacing Alvin Kamara and not losing anything as a team within that paradigm. I think it's pretty tough to do. If you're using Christian McCaffrey's full skill set, there's nobody on the planet who can replace that. Right. Um, 
you know, uh, if, if, if Dallas, if Zeke Elliott, I don't want to see this because I've got so many shares, but if Zeke Elliott goes down, it's going to have a huge impact on Dallas. They will still be able to run the football, but, you know, Pollard's not going to do all these little things that Zeke Elliott does. Hmm. Um, and you're going to lose the power running game a little bit. So it's going to change the way defenses can attack you. I, I think running backs really do matter when they matter, if that makes any sense. It does. Um, but, I, you know, um, I think the one thing that gets lost is when running backs are doing things that are outside of the cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. I think inside the running back cookie cutter, it's a very replaceable thing. But, for example, if... If Damian Williams had gone down during the playoffs last year with the Chiefs and they had to go to Hamburger B, I think that would have had a big impact on those games. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis. And on a case-by-case basis, running backs can really matter. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> the, uh, the, the rapid fire isn't your strength there, Pina. <laughs> I know. I love it. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just messing with like, you. That's one of those, like, <laughs> I get, I'm so tired of that debate. Um, because it's one of those things where nobody defines the discussion the same way. Yeah. So, we're, like, we're talking past each other. Um, I think this, most of the stuff the analytics crowd has brought up on the topic of running backs is valid. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I and, think running backs matter. <laughs> and what is the uh, the funniest last place punishment or side bet that you've either had to be a part of or that you've witnessed in a league? <laughs> uh, um, are, is X-rated stuff like okay? Go for here? it. Yeah, the worst, the worst of the worst. Give me the worst thing you've ever seen, please. <laughs> my league, there used to be like prop bets in my league. So like there would always be um, – the league champion would usually do like a prop bet with the team that came in last. Um and like whoever loses the prop bet would have to do something at the draft. And um, at one of our drafts, the team that won the prop bet brought this. Um, you know, have you ever seen those those Guy Fox masks like from V for Vendetta? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the, these things were like a cross between that and one of those Mardi Gras masks. <laughs> and then they, they hung. Like, <laughs> you asked the questions. <laughs> Please. <give me. laughs> they, they literally hung these little dildos. <laughs> <laughs> And these guys were like a pair team. So these two guys had to sit there throughout an auction draft wearing this mask with these. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. How have I never heard that? (laughs) For two and a half hours, we're all there. And every time they bid, you would like look at them and start cracking. The the dildos are shaking. Like $60. If if you got got into like a stare down bid with them, you're like sitting there and you're just like cracking up. Yeah. Tears coming down your face. You're like, you know, Maurice Jones drew 55. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, that's and fantastic. Each other and the things are like swinging. <laughs> that's so awesome, that was, man. That was the funniest one ever. That is a fantastic <laughs> one. I love it. Oh, man. And the last one, yeah, that's nobody, great. It, the funny thing is nobody would bet with that kid after that. Like, oh, no. no that's, that that is like, a brutal I'm, punishment. Oh, wanna, my God. Oh, <laughs> that is fantastic. Uh, like, last, like, they just be dropping the gloves, fully oh, dropping. Oh, man. That is, yeah, that is, that is great. <laughs> Uh, the last one we got for you, your boldest 2020 fantasy prediction, and then just remind our listeners where they can connect with you and find your work. Boldest 2020 fantasy prediction. Just so people know I didn't cheat on this. I'm thinking on the fly. Um, I think the boldest fantasy prediction is that um, Damian Williams is going to be an RB2. Intriguing. Intriguing. And, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a fringe QB1. Love it. And where can our listeners connect and find your work? 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Rotoban, R-O-T-O-B-A-H-N. Uh, you can find um, all of my, you know, um, rookie stuff and all my season-long stuff at Rotoban.com. And if you're in the New England area or if you like Radio.com on the Internet, uh, you can find all my broadcasting stuff, my weekly show, uh, my weekly podcast with Jim Hackett um, at uh, WEI.com. And awesome. uh, 93.7 uh, FM throughout New England. Hundred percent. It's fantastic. I, I always look forward to tuning in before I start my live broadcasts on the uh, Facebook and everything. <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do. I'm, I told you, I get up at five a.m. I'm, I'm a big riser. So yeah, it's not an early riser. Like our show's always on the website. Like they always, usually yeah. about like nine thirty or ten o'clock. You can just listen to it on the website. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Pete, thanks so much. Uh, Fantastic, loaded show. Tons of knowledge, insight shared with us. We really, really appreciate you coming on and sharing all your work with us. Thank you, man. Thank you, bud. It was it was a lot of fun. I'm sorry we were so I'm sorry I was so long winded. Uh, I think I think our listeners will enjoy it. We'll chop it up to make it. You know, if people prefer smaller clips, they can find it that way too. But I, I love it. I love a good two hour football conversation, man. You know me, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> You're an editing maven. You're good at it. <laughs> Thanks again, man. That's a blast. football right there folks